Well, we may still be arguing over who gets to do Sony's E3 conference coverage, but we're here to talk to Fish, aren't we, Dom? If I can, I will. Yeah, uh, we have uh, spent a little bit of time going over our E3 footage and E3 festival reels and whatever we can get our hands on, and uh, we're here to talk about the gaming highlights from the biggest electronics entertainment expo in the world, really. Um, I can't really think of any bigger or any draws such a large crowd of participants uh, even though there will be no Sony preference or no Sony uh, presence this year, again, uh, they dipped out in 2020 and are not back again this year, but we still have plenty to talk about from Ubisoft, Microsoft, Bethesda, and then uh, I believe Capcom was there as well as Nintendo. Capcom was there, but to say that they announced games or new games that you didn't expect was a, was a, bit, of a, a bit of a stretch. It was all just stuff that is coming out within the next month and stuff that we all we all know what it's going to be like. They announced the uh, the it's a prequel to the Phoenix Wright games called The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, where you play as an ancestor to Phoenix Wright. Uh, which which era? All... Which era hmm? of uh, humanity are you, are you doing all these in? Because like Phoenix Wright is modern times, right? Yeah, Phoenix Wright's modern times and a very heightened. A Japanese court system, which I actually found out the whole game was to take the piss out of the Japanese court system, because <laughs> uh, the guy who made the game just thought it was a joke. There's, there's some personal story behind it, but he just thought the Japanese criminal justice system was a joke. But uh, the I think the prequel series is set in the Meiji era, because right. everyone's still war- walking about with samurai swords and stuff clipped to their belts. Yeah, there's a bit of a higher difficulty curve, but you get one thing wrong off of your head. We yeah, around, the we judge played. just spears you. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I think we should put down a few disclaimer notes about E3 in general. Um, E3 is a hype fest entirely based on selling you games and consoles. Um, I think it's fair to say that basically everything you're going to see during your uh, any kind of conference coverage is as polished as it can be for the sole purpose of hype. It is not normally... I mean, you can get some honest uh, gameplay show uh, that we can talk about, uh, I think I've got one example of that on my list today. Um, but for the majority of the time, you'll see a lot of uh, cinematic uh, presentation, uh, whatever that means. Uh, gameplay has, for a long time, struggled with the idea of trying to be so much like cinema that you forget that you're playing a video game. Uh, yeah. see stuff like The Last of Us. But I think that you can find a few games this year that are willing to just say, we have a gameplay, or we have gameplay that we want to show you. And uh, we'll be talking a lot about it as, as much as we can when we see gameplay as opposed to a cinematic trailer, even though the cinematic trailers are fun. And you also have uh, the note that everything you're seeing might not be entirely the finished product. I don't know if you remember back in the day, there was the Aliens uh, gameplay that was made by Sega. Uh, I can't oh, remember. Uh, Colonial Marines. Yeah, Aliens Colonial Marines, where they presented the, uh, the E3 audience with a pretty impressive uh, teaser trailer only to then have none of it feature in the game because they described it as an, a, an example a vertical slice of gameplay that might possibly have happened during the game, even though it physically couldn't have, but they had made a specific scenario to show off the potential of the game rather than just showing you a part of the game. So I always yeah. look at all of these trailers and all this stuff with several uh, hefty doses of salt all across the yeah. plate. Just a full shaker of salt. Yeah. And also everything that you will see as well as like when it is gameplay footage, it is gameplay from a top tier PC that is 
working on like absolute maximum settings on graphics cards you can't legally buy yet. You know, yeah. uh, it is it is the absolute optimum experience designed to get you hyped up and sell you a console. Uh, so yeah, you'll see a lot of footage now that looks nothing like what you'll have in your hands in say six months to you know nine months time. But I'll uh, I think we just start with a random company. Who do you want to start talking about? Hey, well we can already start talking about Capcom and Capcom's uh, entire conference only took half an hour, and I'm pretty sure I could summarize it in less. <laughs> okay, let's go for Capcom then. Who do we? Uh, Capcom announced uh, three games, three games that we already know that are coming out. Uh, three games that I'm pretty sure if you want to buy, you've already bought. Uh, they started talking about uh, Monster Hunter Stories Two, which is another RPG set in the Monster Hunter universe, which uh, is not as boring as it sounds. It's actually the stuff that they can do with a Monster Hunter location. A Monster Hunter theme with a story is actually pretty cool. And the fact that you, instead of killing the monsters, it's more like Pokemon, you just enslave them. Uh, Yay! And then <laughs> in this version of the game, instead of beating them and having to carve them up to get their armor, you beat them and they give you the pieces for the armor, which is helpful. You're not you're not uh, genociding an entire population of Rathalos just to get an armor piece now, but no, it's still a bit weird. Like You have enslaved me here. Take my armor. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that it requires a certain level of sentience to understand you've been beaten and therefore you owe your, your better a reward of some yeah. kind. That's a weird level of just, like, it would make me feel a bit uneasy. But, I mean, it's a game. It's Japanese. Yeah. It's bound to be weird at some point. So, yeah, let's, uh, I mean, let's give it a go if it comes out. What's it coming yeah. out on? Uh, it's coming out on Switch. All the games that, uh, all the games bar one that Capcom spoke about were uh, coming out on Switch. And uh, moving on to the next one, and it was uh, a game that's already out, but they're still talking about updates and new content for that. And it was a uh, Monster Hunter Rise, not talking about new, uh, new monsters or anything that are coming to the game. It was quite literally just here's some more cosmetics, here's some more, uh, you know, outfits for your owl that you can send off and scout for you. <laughs> that's cool and all. I mean, I will turn my owl into a penguin just to see a penguin fly, but. Uh, at, I mean, four that's pounds, at four quid to get a penguin costume for an owl fuck that yeah. it's a bit odd but I suppose Monster Hunter Rise is their biggest cash cow at the moment yeah I think it is probably the quickest selling I think it is the quickest selling Monster Hunter to date beating World for how quickly it sold over a million copies yeah you can't really blame them for milking that cow too much yeah that's the thing Monster Hunter is just a license to print money anywhere because it sells globally Japanese people getting it heavily, same with people over here, Fucking in the nuts. in the West. <laughs> and fun. then, of course, uh, they went on to speak about uh, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which is the prequel of the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney series. And again, we already knew that it was coming out at the time that they had the conference. That game was a month away. Comes out on the twenty sixth of July. Okay. It's not far away at all. That's interesting because a lot of these games. You end up with a schedule of we're talking about it now. It'll be due around November. Uh, surprise, yeah. surprise! Just in time for the kids to want it for Christmas, so they spend mm. the whole summer hyped up for it, and then they finally get it, or they finally twist people's arms into getting it before Christmas. So that's good that they have something to say. Oh, and by the way, this is due next week. Yeah, this is due in a month. Yeah, so you'll be able to pester your parents for it before Christmas. And then the the first game that they announced because I'm kind of jumping about about you. 
they started talking about how quickly Resident Evil Village had sold, and then they announced DLC was in the works. No trailers, no images, just because of the request for more of RE8, we're now getting more of RE8, which how the game ends, I'd be very interested to play an additional chapter in that series. Well, that's actually quite good that they have nothing to show, in a sense, because if they had it pre-prepared, oh, we already have some test footage to show you from yeah, a game that just came out. Suspicious. Yeah, you're like, okay, so you guys just cut this out of the main game just to sell it to us later. Okay, bravo. Um, but I, I think that's actually good in a certain way. But with mm. the Resident Evil series, I think that um, looking, at, I heard a discussion of what was going on for the DLC of Resident Evil 7, and they described a, a completely different scenario from the... Uh, basically fight for survival against a redneck haunted house and all of a sudden it turns into you're the crazy uncle who was never shown in the main game uh fighting werewolves and alligators with a giant like thanos power fist thing yeah in this uh, one and i'm like okay who who wrote that one down (laughs) you say that but the end of zoe dlc where you play as joe baker jack baker's brother yeah and you have, it's literally a power fist. <laughs> and you're just fucking right hooking zombies. <laughs> and then at the end of it, you have a boxing match with your mutated older brother. That DLC was fucking amazing. <laughs> that DLC was yeah. great. And you're just fighting uh, mutated mold creatures and shit like that. They didn't venture into the werewolves and shit like uh, lichens and shit yet. But... <laughs> Maybe it was a different type of lichen. Maybe it was lichen rather than lichen. Yeah. Hey, Those it. plant motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you. You plant boy stay in the swamp. But yeah, uh, that entire DLC is it's about two to three hours long if you do everything in it. Uh, and uh, you get, uh, I think you get a shotgun as well, but you don't use a shotgun. You have an electric fist. Although you heal using centipedes and, and grubs and things, that's how you heal. I mean, if you're going to be a weird swamp man. person, you might as well go all in on weird swamp person traits. Yeah. Right. Just indulge in the weird woods backwoodsman uh, tropes. Yeah, I, I mean, if that means we get to indulge in weird uh, Lady Dimestru, uh like tropes, I'm all about it for this new yeah. DLC. <laughs> Give me the weird stuff. Uh, fuck, after how weird they go in some of, some of the sections in RE8, I want to see how weird they how weird they can still go, continuing on because I, I think that would scare the shit out of people if they just went right. Cool, you want weird? We'll give you weird. We'll escalate things from giant baby to eat you. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that shit going. Uh so that is Capcom. Yeah, short and sweet. It was, in my opinion, it was just pushing games that people have already bought. I think because they held off on allowing you to pre-order physical copies of Monster Hunter Stories Two for too long. Now people are pre-ordering it. Uh, the Greatest Attorney Chronicles. That game was not allowed to be localized because of potential copyright strikes. Because one of the characters, his Japanese name doesn't have any instance, but his English translation was quite literally Sherlock Holmes. Uh, okay. So they had to change that. They had to change that for the translation. So instead of Sherlock Holmes, he's Sherlock Holmes. And everyone just kind of shrugged the shoulder and went, print it, let's go. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Lawyers, any objections? I uh, know. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. If we get sued, go. we're just going to slap the judge. We don't give a shit. <laughs> yes. We're just going to, not even, we're not even going to offer money. We're just going to put a bar of chocolate on the bench and slide it over to him and go, we cool? We cool. <laughs> 
You're not <laughs> just the Twix. You're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> not even the full Twix. Just half a Twix. <laughs> oh, that's Snickers as well. That's brilliant. If they send them a Twix, yeah. <laughs> but use the Snickers scratch face. <laughs> what? We don't want to get sued again. <laughs> Here, have a Snickers. They're great. <laughs> just lobbing random candy bars with the wrong faces around. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. This is why we can't. This is probably the most funny kid ever. E3 is just random discussions about what you thought was good and what you thought was bad, watching trailers and then just taking the piss as you go. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing has become very sanitized. I feel uh, when you watch it, it seems like it's trying to be like it's like the kids in their like parents' outfits when you know the kid wears the dad suit and they're all trying to pretend to be big, uh, big serious deals. And you're like, bro, you're selling video games. Take it, <laughs> take it, Jill. Yeah. Let's just hang out. I think. Have pizza and just have fun with this thing. Yeah, I think Devolver do that better than anybody. They just they try and make it look serious. Then they have that what's her name Anita, that their spoke spokesperson just shoving chili dogs into her face trying to talk about video games, <laughs> and she's sitting there doing it in a business suit, but she's cut the sleeves off her shirt and shit like that. I need to watch one of these Devolver uh, like studio presentations because they they are always highlighted as being one of the better parts of the year. But I never watch it because it's on at like some weird time in the morning, and I never see it live, and I never catch, I never put the effort in to go watch uh, the VOD later on. I'm going to be honest; I never usually make much of an effort to watch the watch them live, unless it's Nintendo or I think there might be something worth watching. But it just so happened that I wasn't doing much during this year's E3. Yeah, the only thing I think I saw live would be uh, a couple of the presentations. I just happened to pop in and out. I was actually working uh, over most of the weekend and the week that E3 was going on. Um, actually, side note, maybe it's just it was a pandemic idea to just kind of spread it out over a whole week. But I'm fairly used to E3 being just a weekend ordeal, um, like Friday, the, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I think it melded in with Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, right. and then because his his thing his his event was a couple of days, and it just melded seamlessly into E3 because they had the Summer Games Fest where he was talking about where he dropped Elden Ring and everyone. You know, lost their fucking minds, uh, and then he started talking about new game-related TV shows coming to Netflix, and that's where we hear about Castlevania. Then, quite literally, the day after E3 kicked off with, uh, I want to say Square Enix and those guys, possibly. Either way, Square Enix was another gate, another developer that didn't really show much. But they did show one thing that actually uh, got a weird reaction, well, for me anyway, because one of the guys at work, who I didn't consider to be that much of like a weird gamer, came up to me and, uh, what you talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy game that they're releasing? Yeah. It's an odd one. But uh, yeah, it turns out that uh, Square Enix uh, have this weird contract with Disney. I assume that it's just related to the Avengers and it's partially tied into, obviously, the stuff they've done with Kingdom Hearts, so they've got that kind of previous relationship with disney so they they get their hands on some of the marvel stuff but uh yeah they have decided to go with a guardians of the galaxy game now i was kind of like okay odd choice but i mean if he can make it work he can make it work and then i saw that it's also involving uh, idos montreal who are part yeah. of the team who made the avengers game that every youtuber and twitch streamer played for like one night and then now never talks about it again because yeah yeah, it was a big push and then massive flop. Yeah, yeah, people are still clinging on to the hope that the Black Panther DLC is going to iron out a lot of the bugs. Uh. <laughs> Which, 
it's a, it's a lot of hope to <laughs> pin on the DLC. Don't put all the hope on one DLC, okay? That's yeah. that's a lot to ask. But uh, yeah, I, I watched the show for it. Suitably impressed. They have the 80 tunes in there, so you know they're not that dumb. Uh, but I quite like the fact that they're going as well for that friendly bickering tone uh, that the the cast always seem to have. We're like they're not really arguing with each other, but it just seems like an argument. And uh, yeah, it was that. And one thing I noticed is all the characters look slightly different from the Marvel movie counterparts, which is a good idea. Um, in the like Avengers game that came out, that was the source of like half the memes was that Thor just looked fucked up, and <laughs> uh, I think Captain America might be one of the worst like. If they were going to try and pretend that he was the same guy from the movies, it was the worst attempt I've ever seen. But I think they were actually trying for a different look um, as opposed to what we saw. And I think Hulk had a beard, if I remember correctly. Hulk in the main game had some kind of weird five o'clock shadow thing going on. It just looked like he had weird skin indents in the in the main game. But they did Maestro, who is the dickhead evil version of Hulk in the future, who, if I remember correctly, eats the Avengers. Right. Yeah, and I think it was in Old Man Logan. Uh, Logan finds a now blind Hawkeye who kind of has some weird daredevil sense now, and uh, he says, I, I, need your, I need your help with something. Uh, Banner's gone mental, and he takes him to see Maestro, and he starts talking about, oh, I've eaten all these different superheroes and stuff like that, and it shows you a pile of skulls, and it's all the points of like oh it's thor because he's still got thor's helmet on or some crap like that yeah so, yeah that version of maestro that version of hulk's pretty much a dickhead but they dropped that dlc and apparently they fixed some bugs with it mm. i just and i don't I'm, know what the audience for that game is anymore i don't know i never yeah. heard anyone talking about it outside the initial like launch week and then that was it i mean as someone who likes the the batman arkham games for the x for the ps3 and xbox and ps4 for fucking everything at this point except switch uh, as someone who likes those games, I'm always interested to see a new superhero game. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I don't like Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, I'm still slightly curious about uh, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Interesting. Just, pu- I... just purely because it's, it's rock steady and they do fucking phenomenal work with uh, these video game IPs. So it's, it's the same with Guardians of the Galaxy because from the trailer, it looks like they've polished it a bit more and they've learned from the mistakes, trying not to give you f- four different characters that you can, you know, upgrade and you know have to micromanage at once. It's just one character, and you can team up and do other attacks with the other the other three characters. I think it's a bit easier to deal with just one fully playable character and three party members than it is with. I think it was six, five or six fully playable characters you had mm-hmm. in the Avengers for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah. And, and it looks phenomenal. And Star-Lord fucked a tentacle monster. Respect. <laughs> yeah, that, that's nothing new. That's yeah. nothing new. See, I, superhero... I bet he went down on that tentacle monster. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that is uh, in reference to the idea that Batman is not allowed to go down on Catwoman according right. to the... Oh, what was it? It's the, the Harley Quinn writers for the, the yeah, spin-off Yeah, the Harley series. Quinn... The HBO Max uh, cartoon animated feature... Uh, Harley Quinn. The writer said, "Nah, heroes don't do that." Bullshit. No, the writers said we oh, want to do it, said. and it was the producers, like the Warner Brothers, like the, the legal, the suits guys, who said we can't have that. We we can't have Batman going down, performing cunnilingus on uh, Catwoman. Like, no, 
he goes down. He puts in the work. He's Batman. That's why we respect yeah. his work ethic. Okay, that's why when, we love Batman. When it comes to the point that Val Kilmer, who plays one of the most debated and criticized versions of Batman of all time, when he steps in, going, maybe I think he would do it. I think <laughs> you've got a problem. If George Clooney comes out on Twitter or whatever it is and just goes, "Yeah, I think Batman would do it," you know that DC needs to take that back and show us that scene. I, I want Corey to come out in the bat nipples. <laughs> <laughs> come out with the bat nipples and say Batman goes down and just have his wife show up and go yeah he does <laughs> give me the fucked up get, shit <laughs> get all the living Batman just to show up and go heroes do do that then just disappear <laughs> then zip plane away that's all they need to do just bat grapple hook away I'm checking something really quickly Shit, Adam West dead. Damn it. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot know, Adam West away. was dead. And I'm like, if there was anyone we could count on to come out and say this shit about how Batman goes down on Catwoman, it would be Adam West. He's game yeah. for a laugh any day of the year. <laughs> my initial my initial thought on that was the, the complaint about Batman wouldn't do that, but they over-sexualized Nightwing to the point where they confirmed that he does shit like that to Starfire. Any opportunity that he gets. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> if Nightwing you see, does what Batman don't. <laughs> if you see, if you can't see Nightwing and Starfire on screen at any given point, just assume they're fucking somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they're exhibitionists and they don't care who knows. <laughs> yeah. Don, we got distracted again. <laughs> we did get distracted, but no, that, it's so funny. That, it genuinely bugged me because <laughs> who, who gives a shit? Yeah. And Batman's twisted, man. Batman's kind of sick in the head a little bit. He's got some problems. He would do that. <laughs> Speaking of, who just... give, speaking of who gives a shit, we're going back to games. <laughs> we're going back to games, yeah. Let's go back to games. For some reason, Ubisoft have made another Mario and Rayman Raving Rabbids game, and I have no idea why. But apparently... The first one was <laughs> a hidden gem on the console. Do you get the feeling this is like the Minions, where like they just make it for the kids and like a couple of people who find it funny? And it just oh, okay, sells. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Like, absolutely. <laughs> hand over fist, absurd Bezos by the day money. <laughs> yeah. I, That's uh, the thing. Yeah. I've always seen the rabbits in the same light as the minions. Just that kind of crazy. At one point, they worked with someone. Now they're just loose, right? <laughs> just loose doing shit. I like yeah. the idea of them just rampaging across the country. No one knows where they came from, yeah. what they're doing, or why they're here. And no one knows when they're going to leave. But goddammit, it better be soon. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I, I have that as a note from one of my Ubisoft like highlights. Uh, my main one being uh, Rainbow Six Siege. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, yeah. But we have also a new Far Cry, uh, Far Cry 6, which yep. released its, uh, what I thought was a cinematic trailer. And then people started moving funny, and I realized it was an in-game trailer. Obviously, again, with all the caveats, it's highly optimized. It's running on the best PC you can get and the best PC you legally can't get. But it is an excuse to see more of uh, Juan Carlos Esposito's acting, and I am all for that. Because yeah. that man is a fucking beast. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Uh, he's he's the, the main reason I ask people to watch Mandalorian. Because you may like Giancarlo Esposito as an actor, but you hate every character that he plays, and I guarantee that you do. <laughs> yeah. He's in The Boys. Uh, who's he playing in uh, the the uh, the Mandalorian? He's playing uh, an Imperial remnant called Moff Gideon, who is a, who is a absolute shit. He's <laughs> one of the people that, when he comes across uh, uh, members of the Rebellion, women or children, just gets rid of them. Hmm. 
Yep, that is the exact character that you expect him to play, and yet completely nail. Um, yeah. So, not entirely surprised by that. That's, that's his character. Uh, funnily enough, in this, it seems that he's playing a dictator who is very fond of just annihilating boats full of civilians, especially refugees. Yeah. And I guarantee you're going to fucking love it. Yeah, he's going to play it well. Yeah. Um, the other thing I saw that I, I was like, why did someone... There was a group of motorcyclists who all ride Harleys in this fucking cul-de-sac and they all hang out just around the corner and they're oh, all yeah. total balance. It is my entire weekend. <laughs> you've, it, got the, you've got the fucking Sons of Anarchy on Lithgow Charter right at sea. Yes, but like... It's exactly what you expect when you say Sons of Anarchy on Lithgow chapter. <laughs> it is the most we work in an office nine to five because all the other names we're riding hard on these Hollies and our wives. You know, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Which would we you number fuckers... crunch the day, through the day so we can crunch the road at night. <laughs> we crunch numbers so we can crunch the road at night. Oh, it's it's them and the weird thing is they're right below like an army cadet space and I have no idea what the fuck. Like how the two groups coexist at the same time. Moving on. Speaking of failure to coexist, the other thing I saw was Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora. I uh, didn't watch anything to do with that because I couldn't stand the fucking movie. Genuinely. <laughs> fucking hate it. <laughs> Avatar has been been and done for almost a decade. I yeah, cannot imagine. <laughs> the, the second one is perpetually in development. James Cameron, you'll get there one day. We, we trust that you're going to get there some point. But I... I saw this trailer and it looks exactly like a top tier avatar game. Mm-hmm. If you're ever to design such a thing and want it for some reason, I just, again, who's fucking asking for this, but I, uh, I, I just, I can't help. I mean, yes, it makes sense for do it now. Same way others all think of like the prequels for star Wars are made several years after the original property because mm-hmm. you need the, the CGI to catch up. And we needed to actually properly render something looks like Avatar, you would need the current like ray tracing next-gen consoles. It does make sense for it to come out now technologically, but I can't see why someone pumped so much money into this to actually go through all the way through it and make it. It makes no sense. Who the fuck is asking for this? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, it looks fun. I don't imagine it's going to be that populated. I, I, I don't even know what type of game it is beyond just like a third-person shooter and an action game, which is my general assumption. But, I mean, outside of a little bit of, like, monster writing or mecha suit writing, I mean, is this supposed to be, like, multiplayer? Because it seems to... I have no idea. You know, it seems like there's too many special attacks. Yeah, I mean, I'll just you won't see much as fully cinematic in the whole shebang, but, like, mm-hmm. it's... I'm looking at it going, who, who asked for this? Who... <laughs> why have Ubisoft thrown this much money at a property? Most people go, Oh yeah, that was on the TV when I went and bought it, like out of Curry's. You know, that's the only reason to actually get this thing. Yeah, it's a weird call, but I think it's the same thing. In fact, it's exactly the same thing as when I think it was last year's E3 where they announced the Blair Witch Project game. Like that's a twenty-year-old property at the time. <laughs> that was a thing. Did that get made? Did that come out? Yeah, that that got uh, that came out. That People was played it for about a, a day, maybe an hour. It was so spooky. Then, it was it was top on Twitch for twenty minutes and then gone to the wind. Yeah, she disappeared. Uh, but my main thing uh, for the Ubisoft conference was Rainbow Six Siege Extraction. Now this actually was previewed in twenty nineteen, but it was mm. called Rainbow Six Quarantine. 
And now the keyword gives everyone Vietnam flashbacks. So it's not longer called that, it's called Extraction. <laughs> and same concept, uh, you have operators from Rainbow Six's uh, current kind of universe, which is mostly around the Siege uh, uh, game that came out a couple of years ago. And by the way, it hit 70 million players like just this weekend or something like that. They had like a 70% sale for anyone who wants to jump in um, and get the game for cheap. I like the game. Uh, there's a lot of DLC and it's weirdly flowing between being balanced and horrifically unbalanced and completely broken. It just, just ignore the community and just have fun with a good shooting game. It's very tactical, mm. uh, a lot of fun, uh, hyper like tense for a long period of time where you're just waiting for everything to just explode and then the round can be over in 30 seconds or less. It's all just like build up preparation, set up, and then someone pulls the trigger and then all hell breaks loose for the final 30 seconds. And it's super enjoyable. Very frustrating. Um, I imagine there's more than a few like uh, busted controllers from people throwing them at walls after bad rounds, but I enjoy the hell of it. Um, so they're making it like a kind of expansion, but giving it its own game uh, so it doesn't interfere with the main thing. And this was kind of based on a an event called Outbreak a few years back, which was a, I want to say it's, it was supposed to be like a Halloween theme thing. It got pushed back to like a November event and you were basically playing against zombies. Um, where basically a meteorite crashes into Earth, that infects all the local population. You have to go in and extract someone for like a high value target or get some data or, you know, plant bombs to like blow up massive hives of these things. And it was absolute chaos and madness. And they've just been... Uh, working on this in the background and just having operators from the main games come out and uh, you know take part in what looks like a very fun game. I'm kind of interested in it. Uh, we talked about the difference between like a cinematic trailer and a gameplay trailer. This is cinematic beyond belief. Um, the Rainbow Six like animation cinematic team are top tier. Uh, they've been working on stuff ever since. They did a small kind of teaser trailer for. I don't even know what it was for. I think they just made it to make it, really. Um, called Hammer and Scalpel. And that was about, like, two operators who have a different approach to how you should go in and deal with a hostage situation. And it's, like, a great um little kind of character thing between two characters you wouldn't think would interact, but that's the kind of joy of it. And they actually made a um a live-action, or not live-action, but, like, a highly uh, s- uh, cinematic uh trailer for the like a kind of olympics themed uh season that they had and again like some of the best uh animated action i've seen in anything but just because it was toned down to like 90 seconds it just got to be as fun as it wanted to be and not really worry about telling a story even though it kind of did tell like little character moments if you know who the characters are so yeah i mean i'm now at the point where having seen the the trailers for all the stuff coming up so far and then the extraction trailer I just want the Rainbow Six Siege like animated movie. I I would sit there and watch it for hours <laughs> on end, just on a loop, just yay. Um, they also for the main game released a an animated trailer, but like in a different style, like it's a two D animation. Uh, for the new uh trailer or the new operator called Thunderbird, who is a helicopter pilot who saves another member of Rainbow Six Siege from a bear by using a flare gun, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, it's nice. super anime style, tons of like heavy lighting and stuff, but oh, so good. Uh, Ubisoft is always kind of a weird, weird thing for me because at one point, Ubisoft, you know, were making Assassin's Creed games that I actively wanted to keep playing, but now I've kind of unhinged from that. I don't really have much of a stake in Ubisoft anymore. Yeah, I think they have two main types of games, and that is Rainbow Six Siege 
and then the Assassin's Creed games, which are still going, uh, they did actually announce DLC for the Valhalla game, uh, where they're going to bring Paris back into the fold, so you get to stab Frenchmen again. That's always good. Yes, always a plus. Um, but they they have those games, and then they have stuff where you have to climb towers and then do recon and then jump off, and then enjoy like a, a nice vista, and then go be a gorilla at some points, like Far Cry games and stuff like that. Because at one point, the Far Cry games and the uh, Assassin's Creed games were about eighty percent sharing the same DNA in terms of gameplay design. Yeah, I suppose one was uh, first person, the other one was third. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my notes on the Ubisoft highlights. I mean, it's another standard year of Ubisoft stuff. There's some Siege stuff, there's Assassin's Creed, a bit of Far Cry, some fucking nonsense. The usual. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be checking out. I want to say I'm going to go for Extraction. I don't think I'll be picking up the Realm 6 Siege Operator just because I've not played the game in a while and I have other things I want to work on. And then Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I haven't actually played the main game, so there's no point in me getting DLC. So I just kind of wait for Far Cry 6 and just be like, ah, one car roll. Yeah, I think that's going to be a major drawing point to the game, as well as the uh, fuck, I just was quite literally looking at the, the DLC where you get to play as the previous villains. Oh, right. I think that is, go- that is going to shift some copies. Because you get to play as fuck, I can't remember the guys. He plays the preacher dude from 5. Mm-hmm. I think his name might, might be something like Father Stone or Father Crow or something like that. Yeah. Uh, What's that? Joseph Seed, that's the guy's name. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Vos Montenegro and Pagan Men from uh, I don't know what the DLC entail- entails. Can't really remember off the top of my head, but I think that's going to shift some units because uh, Vos was a major draw to that game to the point where he's meant to die within the first couple hours of the game, but the guy was so good at playing that character that they just keep extending it. Yeah. And he became the poster boy for that game. And Ubisoft overused the phrase iconic to the point of just parody. But yeah, Voss is genuinely up there as iconic. Yeah, he's he's the reason that the Far Cry series goes on, uh, giving you a great villain to fight against mm. as a silent protagonist. The guy that played uh, Voss Montenegro is also a uh, Scorpion, and uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Hmm. So we'll get to see that guy uh, step into the MCU in a while. But uh, yeah, uh, that's what I kind of like about Ubisoft. You know what to expect from them. Mm. Uh, it's it's always good to see that they they bring stuff out. They always bring it's always the same stuff, kind of usually the same stuff, but it's stuff that people want to see. People love the the uh, Rainbow Six games. Those games have never really seen a dip in popularity, as far as I know. You might know differently. They, they stagnate a little bit, but it takes a decade. Mm. Like they yeah. take a while to die off because people find new things to enjoy. Yeah, they just keep fighting on. And Far Cry, Far Cry went from a game where you're just one random commando getting dropped in a a tropical deserted island and just having to fight monsters and pigmen and all this weird shit to actually having these the same kind of locations and graphical capacity as the old games but with an actual story to it. Apologize to any diehard Far Cry fans that are now, you know, pissed off because I just said Far Cry doesn't early Far Cry doesn't have a story. It was better in the day. It didn't have to make sense. And we just looked over things like story and cohesion. But, <laughs> It's good to see that Far Cry is still going because I genuinely thought Far Cry 2 killed the franchise because Far Cry 2 was bad. Far Cry 2 was not good. <laughs> I don't remember Far Cry 1 or 2. I know I had it for the Xbox, like the original Xbox, for a while, but we didn't really play with that console a lot. 
Um, so yeah, I, I had it. I think I've got the disc for it somewhere still, but I haven't really actually looked into playing the game in a long while. And it's now so old, I imagine if I go back to it, it's going to have aged horribly. Yeah, most likely. Unless you play the PC version. I think they did a re-release of Far Cry 1 where it was all crisis out of its tits. That actually sounds kind of entertaining. <laughs> I might give it a go. But, uh, obviously, he still plays the same non-super suit human, but it's just the, the graphical capacity looks a lot better. But all I remember about the original Far Cry is you fight like fuck to get from a beach to inland, then from inland to uh, an abandoned boat while being chased by weird pigmen. <laughs> that actually sounds like it might be fun in a, in a very fucked up kind of way. In a, in, in a way it'd be kind of fun to try and survive a horror or like a horror movie, that's the same idea. In a way that going to McKamey Manor or something like that, those extreme horror attractions where they shave you and pull your teeth out, it sounds like fun. Yeah. And you play it and you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> why, why would I do this to myself? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of why would I do this to myself? Uh-huh. Bethesda. I have Bethesda. been looking, but I've been looking forward to an announcement from Bethesda for so long that when it doesn't happen, I'm crushed internally. <laughs> I have been joking about the idea of a Skyrim two forever, and everyone kind of assumed if even if it wasn't Skyrim two, we'd be getting some kind of major Elder Scrolls content at some point this year, given the rotation of Elder Scrolls and Fallout that has been going on for the last couple of years, and the last couple of games have been very Fallout. Uh, there has been a continuing Elder Scrolls presence in Elder Scrolls Online, which is not a fun game to play. But we've been kind of waiting for that big main title release from uh, the Elder Scrolls series for a while now, and I'm pretty sure it was teased at last E3. Mm-hmm. So where was it, Todd? Where was it, Todd? Where was Todd, it, Todd? Todd Howard was too busy telling people that, uh, what the fuck's the game? Starfield <laughs> exists. No one knows what the fuck it's going to be. <laughs> But it's the thing. There's a robot. There's a robot, and there's a you, and there's a, a space suit, and, a, and a spaceship. There's an astronaut. And he shoves a carrot up his ass. I don't care anymore. Uh, I just, he inches a turn up, I don't know. It has been, uh, it's been too long waiting for the, the, type, the flagship of your entire company that everyone has been waiting for for so long uh through the countless skyrim releases because that game is now a decade old and plays on your fucking toaster if you try hard enough um yeah i didn't even think you need to try that hard <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's just an app for that yeah and uh yeah it's, you know lightly toasted over toasted burnt skyrim <laughs> dovakin i don't know but it's been uh it's been a while and instead of a long-awaited sequel we got some announcement of dlc for a game that has i assume a moderate player base considering it's still going and then uh, Starfield, which, again, an entirely cinematic, vague uh, opening trailer about, I guess, space exploration. But yeah. yeah uh, we'll probably have some something like that in there. <laughs> space exploration and then maybe some robot shooting. I don't know. Maybe. You'll be lucky. But as per usual, my uh, notes from Bethesda for E3 boil down to no Skyrim 2. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I think Bethesda, they showed, because they were they're part of the Xbox conference, which, to be fair, Xbox buying Bethesda is a huge fucking play because that essentially means that Elder Scrolls might not be console, or it might not be free on every console now. It's now console exclusive locked into Xbox. Yeah, which is a bit of a which, bitch move. 
yeah, it is a very much a dick move for for the fans of Elder Scrolls that don't have an Xbox or a PC because it means you're going to have to get it on PC through Game Pass, probably on day fucking one. <laughs> I was sick of the, I was sick of hearing that at some point. Like, get it on Game Pass day one. Who gives I, a shit? I think we'll come <laughs> back to Microsoft as a as a separate entity. Yeah. They are technically part of, or Bethesda is part yeah, yeah. of Microsoft, but I think that Microsoft is still its own identity in and of itself. I think Bethesda yeah, is still yeah. a separate thing from them. So yeah, I think we'll we'll come back yeah. to them. But uh, I was wondering yeah, if you tell uh, me about go Nintendo. back to go back to Elder Scrolls. I think new Elder Scrolls would have been cool, but I think if they announced it on Xbox Series X or play it better on Xbox Series X, A, without it being able to be played for everybody, because not everybody can get a fucking Xbox Series X right now. But also it's exclusive to Xbox either timed exclusive or just absolute exclusive, that would just fucking set the internet on fire. Mm. That would just be bad juju. But they're in the camp now, so it's if it's going to come out, it is going to come out as a timed exclusive at least, more likely to just be a permanent exclusive. So I'd suggest that, you know, it's never going to be a great time for it to come out. I think they just have to rip the band-aid. And you'd like to think they do it before they release their big IP, but okay. Shoot your shot, I guess. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad state of affairs because Skyrim is. Uh, I've even started calling it Skyrim. It's just so universally in my head is <laughs> Skyrim. But I think Elder Scrolls has such a universal appeal, where it's just on everything. To limit it to just Xbox is kind of shitty. But at the same time, they did pay what, seven point six billion or something. Like that. Yeah, if you pay seven point six billion for something and don't truly own it, that's yeah. a massive waste of money. Don't try and rein it in. That's just bad juju. Yeah, but I do you think we could go back and just refer to like uh the Elder Scrolls as the Skyrim setting, the Skyrim world? <laughs> I think just people to already people do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, we're supposed to be the, the elder statesman of uh, geekdom, so I suppose we should be trying a little yeah. bit harder. I feel like the, back in the my Skyrim, day, Skyrim was called Elder Scrolls, back in my day, Skyrim was this weird side map in Morrowind, you know, that type of thing. Skyrim? You mean that oblivion place? I remember that. I was on the skimmer. <laughs> I was I was four scoops deep in the skimmer. <laughs> I just remember that the the big drug in that game is skimmer. Because I remember someone tried someone showed me the game. It's like this is the kind of dumb shit that you can do. And he overloaded on skimmer and ran across the entire map within about a minute, minute and a half. <laughs> there was a character that you meet later on. I think it is actually in Skyrim. And uh, when the side uh, like cities that is a skooma dependent, he is genuinely about to have an absolute mental breakdown if you don't give him skooma right now. And he threatens you with a knife. <laughs> you're like, I am the chosen one of the gods, and you beat the sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> there's there's no way back of this. I'm sorry, drug addict guy, but I am the chosen of the gods. We're done here. Goodbye. And you just blast him off to the fucking moon. Ah, oh, it's so good. Uh, I was going to point us in the direction of Nintendo. To what I want to leave them for last. All right, because uh, they they showed you. <laughs> they <laughs> they actually showed things. you. So I guess that leaves us with uh, Microsoft then. Yeah, before we get into Microsoft, are Arcane Studios part of Bethesda? Who the fuck are Arcane Studios? Uh, the guys that made Dishonored. Uh, they are in France. They, I think they're part. Of... They eat the baguettes. They eat the baguettes. Uh, they are part of another studio called Arcane Studios Austin, as well as Arcane Studios France. Uh, blah blah. 
uh, I think they are. They might still be one of the few independents kicking around. That would be nice. Fucking hell. Uh, no parent company is Zenimax. That is Bethesda. Correct. Yeah, right. Because the the trailer for Redfall looked kind of cool. Yeah, the Redfall trailer was uh, interesting. Um, I, I want to point out something that it's kind of it's gonna creep in in the next few years. Uh, in mm-hmm. the post Deadpool world, when people realize they like this weird kind of meta humor. I get the feeling every um, gaming company is going to try their hand at doing a weird, quirky, funny, haha trailer for E3. Mm. And I want to point out that I think The Outer Worlds 2 and Redfall did a decent job of having a slightly out-of-the-box trailer. Stop it, everyone else. Like, stop whatever yeah. plan you have right now. It's only funny once or twice. Cool your jets. These guys got their first, or relatively first, in this generation of consoles. Not everyone needs to have this weird meta deconstruction. So Red Falls, for example, is shooting out of sequence. Uh, they show you the big action scene to kind of draw you in and then cut back to like three three, uh, three minutes earlier. Mm. And it, yeah. it, it, it kind of showed a trend in E3 trailers, particularly outside of the Nintendo conference, because everyone was showing off Left 4 Dead type games, whether it was Back for Blood, whether it was Redfall, there was another fucking game that was basically just Left 4 Dead, but with, I think you're fighting demons or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a, what is it, Godfall? <laughs> Godfall or Babylon's Fall. It was just another Left 4 Dead clone. But yeah. The- Obviously, Back 4 Blood has the pedigree of being made by the guys who made Left 4 Dead, but everyone else is just, that's up for grabs now? Shit, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I, I, I thought this looked okay. Um, I, I think it's weird that they put all the effort into like a weird meta trailer when you're, you know, your tagline is it's wizards with guns fighting vampires with guns. Hmm. I don't think you need to try hard to sell that. To be honest, I think that should be pretty self-evident that you know that's a cool game to play. Um, <laughs> although the weird kind of guardian robot thing that they have kicking around with them, uh, that kind of acts as like a backup assistant to one of the characters. Yeah, looks like a giant cooked chicken with guns. And I can't get that image out of my head. That is a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Some guy who goes into Tesco is like, oh my god. <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's what my video game needs. Rotisserie chickens, bro. <laughs> so are you going to buy this chicken? I'll buy all the chickens. I'll buy I need research, them. damn it. <laughs> we gotta, we just start trying to tape guns to the side of a rotisserie chicken. I'm a developer. <laughs> Sir, what are you doing? Oh, don't mind me, I'm a developer. But it's this is one of the shows that it is very... I'm joking about it being meta, but it is also incredibly cinematic. I don't think that's gameplay. Not even close. No, um, no, no, no. My question is, what type of game is this? And I'm worried it's kind of like XCOM, because that's not my style of game. But I kind of want to play this game. I genuinely think it's just another Left 4 Dead style... Uh, Shooter, where it's just get from point A to point B, shoot things that are in your way. Yeah, if that's what it is, I'm all in. I like the sound of that. But uh, if it's if we're going the XCOM route, I just can't. I, th- I think with all the special abilities, it kind of looks like a lot of stuff's gonna have cooldown timers, uh, and like mm-hmm. a you know, an ammo limit or something like that. I mean, if it's that, I'll wait and see how it looks on Twitch. But uh, I will. I'm not entirely sure about this one. It's one of the few that I looked at it and said. Maybe rather than yes or hard no. I mean, there was very few games apart from you know when Nintendo dropped their conference. I was just going, "Yep, fucking getting that." <laughs> uh, 
there was a Tiny Tina's Wonderland, the Borderlands spin-off. I thought, yeah, I'll pick that up. Because yeah. I've yet to play a Borderlands game that I don't like or absolutely hate because there was the one set on the moon which I wasn't too keen on. But even at that, it was still fun to play through. Mm. Um, I think the one that I would definitely say is a yes for me, as the easiest one, is Elden Ring. Uh, from soft with yeah. George R. R. Martin. I know, like, yeah, they didn't bust a fat nut over this one, but I do like the Souls games. I've been a big fan of them for ages, and now it has horses. So fucking sold. Yeah. Um. Also, side note from their trailer, uh, we talk about games being uh, giving overly cinematic trailers and not really representing the true gameplay. I know that that Elden Ring trailer is legit, like from the engine, because the hair is still fucked. <laughs> they have yeah. never been able to program hair as far as I've remembered and it is just completely like bad hair from the back of all the characters heads to the point where I think they may have done it on purpose I'm kind of impressed I, I like it, I think it says that FromSoft know exactly who the audience is and they're making like actual games for real gamers and I like that but uh, also it has a giant weird uh, like monster Ooh. with a bell hanging off its gut that rings as it walks and I'm like that is so Dark Souls yeah, although I one thing that I did see that kind of worried me is 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 Elden Ring still running on the Dark Souls Three engine? Because that looked dated even on the PS4 uh, and uh, Xbox One. I'm not sure. I know that they have their own internal engine that they use for these games. I yeah. don't know if it's like another iteration of it. Um, but yeah, I, I it seems like you have to have a PC to get the most out of that engine, whatever it is. Um, but I don't know if they're using a new one or if they've... I would assume so because it goes Dark Souls the Bloodborne mm. and then you have uh, Shadows or the, the Samurai one. Oh. Uh, Sekiro. Oh, Sekiro. Shadows yeah. of the Damned. Yeah. No, Shadows Die Twice. Shadows Die Twice. And then you have this. I think that's too many games on the same engine for a company mm. like that. So I'm hoping it's going to be similar. Well, it's about the the V8 of whatever engine it is that they use because they've had the same engine for a while. But I I, I liked what I saw from Elden Ring. Uh, my my big one of talking about games that are like a definitive answer on it. Uh, definitive no for uh, Death Stranding Director's Cut. Yeah, the fact that that trailer was just uh, Sam Bridges fucking around with a cardboard box was just nah. Like here's the thing, as a film fan. A director's cut is typically like the studio came in, fucked with the movie before it came out. The director was so annoyed he went and made his own ending of the movie and got that published somehow. Uh, normally, when there's like it needs to be like a longer cut stuff, I think it cut out for like a, a time limit thing. Does that imply that Hideo Kojima did not have complete directive control over Death Stranding? Because the game made fuck all sense before. What is it going to be like now? What the fuck is I that? I think it's just going to be worse. <laughs> I think he's just going to put in everything that he was told by his, his staff to cut out because he imagined the production meeting just going Hideo, this doesn't make sense we need to cut this out, yeah okay sure then about six months to a year later he just goes, wait I fucking own this company <laughs> director's cut <laughs> hey wait a minute this is my just calls company. a board meeting he can, he can imagine, he goes into the board the board meeting, he does the, the power hands, like the salesman power hands, he just goes, gentlemen and ladies, let's not discriminate him. <laughs> What's this company called? <laughs> Kojima Productions. Director's cut time. Get to it. And he just walks out of the room. Everyone goes, oh, fuck, we knew this was coming. Oh. 
Oh, shit, we're going to have to go with the sky jellyfish and the dead babies. We're going to have to bring them back. We're going to have to have the segment where the orange rolls through the fucking air vents to release the prisoner. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was hoping that they, hey, like, if, if the game, for some reason, the director's cut trailer had suddenly cut to the perspective of one of the oranges that fell on the ground and it started rolling away with its own volition, that would have been an interesting trailer. I'd have played that game in a heartbeat. <laughs> but if we're going to just have Norman Reedus acting with a box i don't give a shit about it. it's not, not an interesting yeah. game to me no one gives if I, there might be some people that give a bit of a shit <laughs> someone's going that's the box <laughs> i immediately assumed it was some kind of reference to like metal gear solid yeah just because box the fact that he throws it down on the ground i was just thinking he's just he's just angry he's taking it out on the box <laughs> See, fuck you, Konami. <laughs> just see, sp- fuck Konami, spray the inside of the box. Like, okay, okay. He, <laughs> fuck he had some stuff to get out of his chest, and uh, I think we're done now. I think we're going to be okay, but okay. <laughs> we tried to get him to take it out of the game, but he just kept saying Kojima Productions, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Kojima cut. <laughs> Release the Kojima cut. <laughs> My friend Zack Snyder said I could do this, so I'm going to do it. Actually, of all the two random, like a movie director, and a game director who would you want to have like a kind of cross relationship that they just they're best buddies they write they influence each other's work i think Zack snyder to hideo kojima would be pretty fucking interesting to say the least yeah that, that'd be weird then again i think the weirdest kind of cross pollination of you know nerdship was when hideo kojima was given an award for something and it was given to him by stan lee dressed as revolver ocelot and it came it came about that those two were just really good friends i was expecting you to say yamada toro but that is a much better story <laughs> i'm gonna go find out what that was about i kind of want to know what some kind of awards or something like that game awards hmm in that that's so weird but okay good yeah it's actually probably the best combination of the two random ip holders i could think of yeah all the you know for a fact, Kojima and Del Toro, they text every day. Yeah. Just kind of what you doing? I'm writing a sequel to Hellboy. I might make it. I might not. <laughs> I might give people hope. Might not bother. I might give Ron Perlman a phone. Might not. Might not. <laughs> Don't know how I'm feel. It's uh, like what I said about uh, when it, the Elden Ring trailer dropped. I was talking to some people about it, and I said, "What's the bet that people are now going to start bugging George R. R. Martin for more of it?" And that video that we keep talking about, where it's just him eating a greasy bowl of nachos, going, I'm overweight and I'm over 70 years old. How many of these bowls of nachos do you think I can eat before you stop pestering me? <laughs> do you, you want to keep asking me for more projects and more work and more and more? Or do you want to roll the dice on how long my arteries are going to last? <laughs> you feel a little shaky. Uh, <laughs> I actually I had another thing I wanted to ask you about. Did you see the trailer for Trek to Yomi? No, I didn't. Side scrolling, uh, side scrolling, samurai beat em up in black and Ooh. white. And What's like, it called? Trek to Yomi. Yes, uh, kind of odd, but I think this will be a lot of fun. It looks like it should be like an arcade game, uh, but if it shows up as like a major release, I'll be very interested to see how they make that concept last for more than five minutes. But I like the look of it a lot, and it is very, it feels like it's going to have a little bit of ultra violence in there. Just because it's going to be so stylized, they can get away with it. But I'd be very surprised yeah. if you can't decapitate people in this game. I just found this trailer, and it's a Trek to Yomi trailer, 4K, new brutal samurai game, 2022. Yep. So, and yeah, I've got I've got to say, after playing a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima, around it, 
around at a friend's house. I'm all in for those type of games now. Ghost of Tsushima is a great game. I could lose days on that. If my PlayStation could play disc games with it, sounding like it was going to take off. Yeah, I I mean... I've got that issue, and I'm, that's, what, that's why I'm very hesitant to get a PS5, because, you know, how long am I going to have that before it starts running loud again? Yeah. At some point, you're going to look at a PC and go, oh, if only we were a bit beefier. <laughs> then you can join me I mean, in the joyous world of just never having the right PC. It's great. <laughs> it could just be a little bit, just a few tweaks, just a few more, a few more quids thrown that way and this way. It'll be great. I mean, I could do with 128 gig of RAM, then my PC could run on pure thought. <laughs> I think things, and it just shows up every single thing I could need. <laughs> uh, I think if we're going to go through more of the random uh, Microsoft uh, announcements, I want to point to, uh, it wasn't one, I put something completely different there. Uh, the Outworlds 2. If we're gonna like dunk on meta trailers again, this is you get the one, you get one free pass. Uh, doing this weird meta narration over your own footage at E3, but beyond that, I am just gonna say, look, there can only be one Deadpool, so knock it off now before you piss me off. Um, I, I never caught the the Outer Worlds trailer, but uh, it was it was literally just showing book. the generic footage they could find out of like a, a scrap bin from Outer Worlds One, and I'm saying a dramatic music pause. An astronaut looking into the ocean. An astronaut gazing to the sky. Then the title card appears. The Outer Worlds 2. And that's it. That's all they have. I'm like, would you just fucking knock it off? <laughs> I will give them the props for saying, look, we have nothing actually developed. We just have the title of the game. And it was literally just The Outer Worlds 2. <laughs> way to go. Way to put in the shifts, boys. I appreciate the hard work. And again, the first game was... Pretty well received, so I can imagine the second one's gonna gonna do pretty well. Yeah. Uh was the new Halo game announced? Yeah, that was a bold move to say the very, very fucking least. To have the multiplayer go for free. The biggest draw to the game is the multiplayer. Not right, let's let's set it straight. <laughs> we all like a good story. Halo can be up there with great video game stories, but if you can get the cow for free, why want milk, right? <laughs> like, don't buy milk where you can get the cow for free. They're giving you the cow for free, then asking you to buy milk. It makes no fucking sense. The big draw to a Halo game for everybody is the multiplayer. And they're giving that away for fuck all. The story is going to have to be some kind of fucking amazing to get people to fork over £60 or 70 to $80 to get to play that game. They're doing it. Just, it seems, seems like a bit of a shot in the foot to me. They're doing it because... They're gonna sell you. They're gonna give you the cow for free, but cow-based accessories those will cost you quite a bit of money. And I don't know if you yeah. noticed it, but the final shot of that, uh, the Halo like combat or Halo Infinite combat trailer was one of the most amazing suits of Spartan armor I've ever seen in my entire life, which was Bushido a Samurai meleeing people with a power sword. That is one of the best. Like that, the Bushido armor has always been kind of in there with a weird kind of uh, samurai feel. That is the definitive version of the armor. It is beyond. It is cool in a way that I can't really express with it saying Master Chief is now a Gundam. That's the only way you can explain it. But that is the final shot of that Halo Infinite trailer. And I think that's where it comes in. The gameplay itself is free and you get your basic Master Chief suit on and you get some very basic armor. Or you can pay 10 quid and become Master Chief as a Samurai Gundam. What are you going to do then? Because I guarantee you Everyone playing that game is going to go, Samurai Gundam Master Chief, hell yeah, slap money on the Give table. Me two. 
<laughs> I'll buy two. It's a digital thing. I'll buy three. <laughs> I, I I could see easily there being just this never ending like s- cycle of money. I think games like Grand Theft Auto and other such like online experience games, because I saw a trailer about or I can article about this that Ubisoft have definitely learned the lesson from it, and I think Take Two, who are the people who own like the companies that own Rockstar, they have seen the income from these games. I went, oh my god, you make a premium game, give it to someone for free, and then charge people on the back end to accessorize in these games, or to unlock new content, or play faster in a sense, where you can advance faster with like premium battle passes and stuff like that. The companies have seen the profits from these games and been taken aback, because it is a lot harder to sell someone a 60 quid game than it is to give them a free or very cheap game and then get them to pay 10 quid a month overall and i think like world of warcraft will seem tame in comparison compared to what comes next but that's my my theory on stuff like why halo's combat uh like the multiplayer is going for free is that i think the writing is on the wall and this will be the last e3 we have without that kind of very obvious sales pitch of free intellectual property and then followed up with you know glitzy accessories in the in the multiplayer menu we can only hope because it's kind of it's kind of shitty like here's the game for free but if you want all this cool shit you know you have to pay six to seven pounds per item i'd prefer to pay a bit for the game and have the ability to earn cool shit throughout the game but that that's just me I think I think that might come from the fact that I, used to, I play a lot of fighting games I, I i hate paying for characters i'd rather than be in the game and i can earn them yeah, I, I think that actually just comes from us being older gamers. I think we're just used to that's how our games look. And now there'll be a next yeah. generation of kids coming up who are like, ah, I'm supposed to, oh, I'm used to paying for DLC. That's how games are, that's how games have always been. Like, no, no, yeah. no, kids, kids, kids. There was these old games where you got the whole thing in a whole, one disc. It was amazing. Yeah. Until somebody fucked it up and then they had to find a way to patch stuff and then we'd always all in conductivity. And then when they were there, they just said, uh, oh, let's just, uh, while we're at it, sell you some DLC at the end. And I, I think that's just that... a, it's an old school mentality that we have. That is when I will officially call myself old, when I have to explain the concept of unlocking characters to people. When they go, oh, he was DLC in this game. It's like, oh, in the original, you had to unlock him. Oh, you mean you had to pay for him, right? No, you could play the game, do a cer- you do a certain amount of the game, and you do it to a certain degree. And if you did it well, you would get a new character. How much? No, you just, they gave you this. If you played the game well. You just got good. <laughs> yeah, you just got good. How did you get Akuma in Street Fighter Two? You played the fucking game. You, you got good. But what about what about Mummy's credit card? It stayed where it belonged in Mummy's purse. You little yeah, shit. She sa- she <laughs> saved herself five pound. <laughs> I, I um I, I'll put myself out there. Uh, I turned thirty between the time we recorded the last podcast and now, and I've had a few of the old moments. My old moment, I think, is going to be when I explain a disc. I think when I, I say, no, 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 the, the game was on this little metal sheet thing that we put into the machine. What, what, like a USB stick? Mm-mm, no. Because <laughs> if you explain a tape or a floppy disk, you're old. But I think at some point somebody say, what's a CD? And I'm going to blow my fucking brains out. <laughs> I remember I was uh, I was overhearing a conversation and it was, because uh, I go and pick up my niece from school uh, every couple of weeks or something like that. One of the kids was saying, uh, Oh, can we watch? It's saying he's Can we watch a film when I get home? He goes, Ah, oh, sure. I got a couple of new DVDs. 
And the kid went, DVDs? Dad, I think you mean Blu-rays. I was just, oh, you sweet child. You sweet summer child. <laughs> oh, you sweet... <laughs> All you know is high quality. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have that, like, archive moment of, like, you just open the vault of all the shitty DVDs you bought for like bought like bundle DVDs for like three for a tenner at HMV and you just unroll like waves upon waves of shitty movies and you're like this children is the archive of lost dreams <laughs> <laughs> all the uh... and it's all in 480 to 720p on a good day <laughs> so 60 frames per second for maybe 60 seconds <laughs> then the guy's hand starts shaking because it's, it's a shitty copy I haven't explained that you couldn't download films before if you really wanted a brand new film you had to go to a place in Glasgow and find a shady man wearing an ill-fitting tracksuit pay him £5 and take a videotape home <laughs> would it work? Who knew? <laughs> it was all would part it of the mystery. <laughs> it was all part of the mystery of the ritual. <laughs> I, I wonder about that because I listened to. Uh... Would it be the film that you paid for? No, <laughs> you paid for. Uh, you paid for Shrek One. No, you got Team America World Police. You that paid was... for Team America World Police. You got violent porn. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be a hell of a kid's birthday party. Hey kids, we got Shrek America. <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> See, those weren't even uh, those weren't even hypotheticals. Those actually happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, bought a. I don't know if I should be admitting this, really, but uh, we bought a copy of Shrek. Turned out to be Team America World Police. Then we tried to get a copy of Team America World Police because the film cut out halfway through, and it turned out to be violent, aggressive porn. <laughs> <laughs> I to the point know. where we actually it wasn't a case of you know shut down the PC so you can see what was happening it was plug out the wall <laughs> throw the fucking monitor out the window to get the evil at the house like, no <laughs> to stop the viruses getting in yeah <laughs> uh, we've been distracted again though I hate telling this um... it, it happens man it happens we haven't we haven't recorded in a while for reasons we're old we're <laughs> we're, start- yeah. we're starting to lose the connective tissue in the brain. It just kind of stops working. Yeah. Like A doesn't go to B anymore. It goes to D. And you're like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, then you circle back to B. Then you forgot what you said at C. Then you go back to D again because it just feels right. What yeah. we need it happens, man. What we need is to cool off with the coolest announcement that Microsoft made this year: that they're making an Xbox themed mini fridge because people made fun of the original Xbox design and they said, "Fuck you, we own this shit," and they made an Xbox mini fridge. <laughs> which it holds up to six tins of juice tins of anonymous uh gaming juice uh for whatever your gaming needs may be uh six tins of g fuel <laughs> g fuel comes in powder tubs dumb i told you this before why would you fridge Fuck it g fuel <laughs> <laughs> it's it's quick it's quicker than coffee that's all i'm gonna say okay yeah <laughs> the, one, the one defense of g fuel i don't need to boil a kettle to make it and i don't get scalded when i drink it <laughs> This the, it, is, it is still gaming related, so I'm going to say this anyway. I tried G Fuel, because I think I got a free sample through, a, I think it was a game or something like that, they were handing out free samples. Yeah, that's the place to do it. <laughs> and I got, I, I was hoping for something like watermelon flavoured or something like that, something, you know, that's at least enjoyable and refreshing, but I got some kind of peach, oh, the best disgusting, part. fetid gloopy liquid and I mixed this thing with a lot of water and drank it and it felt like you know when you go around to your friend's house and you say oh can I get a, a glass of diluting orange or diluting juice whatever that may be and they give you the tiniest dribble 
of diluting juice and it's all just water enough to change the color of the water but not flavor it mm-hmm. and like there you go there's your orange juice and like, where's the fucking orange juice this is just orange water motherfucker <laughs> that is what g fuel tasted like to me just fetid nasty water right when you're around i'll make you some g fuel of some kind uh to pick me up for an episode that we'll record at some point whenever we get back to recording in person but yeah my, my three notes on that story is that you probably had the Sonic Peach Rings uh, flavor. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog themed fucking G Fuel. Uh, the watermelon flavor is fantastic. It is watermelon and mint. The mint aftertaste Ooh. is fantastic. Uh, and for some reason, the best flavor of G Fuel that I've ever had is PewDiePie's one. And I have no idea why. It is cranberry flavored and it's amazing. <laughs> There's also, like, for some reason, my first attempt at drinking G Fuel, I felt like I was going to get a heart attack. Um, really? it was bad I was sitting there sweating I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> didn't help that I, I've now went on to read uh, symptoms of like uh, caffeine related heart attacks and they are horrific when someone overdoses on caffeine yeah. to the point of dying it is possibly one of the scariest experiences I've ever read in my entire life <laughs> it is people talking about finding their children like slumped over convulsing on the toilet and just trying to like get them to start breathing again normally and they just can't and i'm like oh that almost happened to me <laughs> you're like oh that's bad um but it's um it, g fuel is good you just have to learn how to make it <laughs> it's it's like cool to mix it properly <laughs> you have to know the right mix of water and horrific powder to get yourself to not have a heart attack jeez but yeah the uh the the cooler is coming out i don't actually know when it's coming out but my favorite part was it pops up on the screen with like the, it's the usual Xbox trailer of your like dolly zooming in on a an Xbox product. It's rotating in green light. It's all dark. It's all matte black, and then all of a sudden it just says Xbox Mini Fridge, <laughs> and underneath, <laughs> yes, we are really making this. <laughs> I like. Uh, I, I don't. Even, I don't even own an Xbox anymore. I kind of want one of these things just to have it because it's got the weird, horrific green inside light. And has all the lighting and stuff on the inside, and I'm like, it, it'd be so tacky to have it, and it's so fucking useless when you can just go buy a mini fridge and have it in the corner and hold an actual amount of beer or liquids that you want to drink, or you could have an Xbox mini fridge that costs about three times the amount but holds a third of the content. Which one? Am on I the side use? of the fridge, it just says Xbox mini fridge. Fuckers, we're serious. <laughs> Xbox mini fridge. Yes, it's a mini fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, at least, at least Microsoft are kind of not taking themselves as seriously. I think they've they've made a conscious decision to move away from being as serious and you know pretentious as Sony are. Because I give Sony their due; they make good games. Mm-hmm. They just make shitty hardware to fucking play it on, or yeah, shitty, very poor longevity hardware that tends to die out quickly. And they are very pretentious about the presentations. Because I don't know if you remember the last showing in what 2020, 2019? 2019. Was that the one when they had an orchestra up here? Yeah, they had an orchestra up here. A we talked about that one. Him. That was the one with the they had a flute player, and it was a white I, they had guy. The flute player for Ghost were, of Tsushima. Yeah, people were pissed. Oh, you can't have a white guy playing a Japanese flute, and it's like, no, he's recognized as a master by Japanese masters. He gets to play the fucking yeah. flute. <laughs> yeah, he knows what he's doing. Leave him alone. He's he's good at his job. But yeah, Microsoft just. May as well have went, all right, lads, sit down. We're going to batter on with <laughs> Meme time. Sony, Sony were just kind of like, guys, sit down and prepare for an experience. <laughs> sit down and prepare to have your oratory experience with Sony IPs. First of all, we have 
some dickhead with a clarinet. <laughs> some dickhead with a fancy Japanese clarinet. He insists you call it the Japanese name, not a clarinet. <laughs> yeah. And he will he will correct your pronunciation even when your pronunciation is correct. And everyone else is just losing their fucking minds, just going, show us the games, you dick. <laughs> I think they were announcing Final Fantasy VII Remake at the time. And it was just they decided to go into a full orchestra of a full orchestral uh, rendition of the original Final Fantasy VII uh, intro music. And I'm just going, no, I, I get those people that want to fucking see this, but there's people like me who are maybe interested in Final Fantasy VII or were maybe interested at the time. The combat needs to sell them, and that needs the trailer needs to sell the game to me. Right now, you're just fucking annoying me. Like, <laughs> get off this. Tell the Tell the orchestra to sit down and go home and show the fucking trailer. <laughs> well, I think the difference is that Sony wants to make you ex- feel an experience yeah. and recognize a symphony of emotions running through your body. Whereas Xbox, probably the kind of fuckers that when they're if they were putting houses up for sale, they wouldn't call a room a room. They'd go, "Here we have a sleeping space. Here we have <laughs> an entertainment space. Fuck off! It's a living room or a bedroom. You pretentious cunt." What you're saying is they moan when they wipe their arse. <laughs> and we have Xbox who are like, who wants they to listen to the toilet paper as they flush it? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Microsoft and the other hand are just like, who wants to blast Motley Crue, do some Jack Daniels, and let's listen to Keanu Reeves talk about a fucking samurai. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just fucking do it. Let's go, uh, gamers. Uh, uh, yeah. As, uh, Xbox meme their way through conferences, but at least they have something to show you. Yeah, it's they started saying stuff like, "Oh, Xbox is as Xbox games are for you know casuals. PlayStation games are for gamers. Like, fuck off! They're both for gamers. Clearly, <laughs> one company just cares more about giving us games as opposed to the other company. I uh... Microsoft at this point are all about giving a large." library of games to play that is very evident through game pass and shit like that sony are more but let's give you a smaller library of just very intense very story driven games that you can enjoy in your fucking entertainment spaces <laughs> i i think actually the, the idea that microsoft are like oh we have games we promise is a big thing yeah. um because you noticed that obviously you were talking a lot, a lot of uh available day one in game pass and i yeah. noticed a lot of very uh, release dates around late 21 and then early 22 so it seems like, guys, seriously, get Game Pass. We have games coming. We know we fucked up the launch. We had, like, three things and all of it was remakes. But now we have actual games on the way, we promise. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty big criticism every time we have a console generation. There's no games at launch. Or, no, yeah. or your game isn't out at launch. But I feel like this time they, uh, they actually did point around and say, look, this is what's coming. It's in the pipeline. It's coming very soon. So, I mean, like, stuff like uh, A Plague Tale 2. Didn't really play the first one. Oh, yeah, I had, yeah. I had some hype about it. Seemed pretty good. Uh, big fan of the idea of you have to survive a horde of rats rather than fight a horde of monsters that you could actually yeah. fight. Whereas if you ever look at hordes of rats, you wouldn't go fucking near it. It's horrifying. Didn't you think that the main character of the new Plague Steel game looked a little bit like Greta Thunberg? Hmm. I seen it and I just thought, who the fuck is that? And I think it was my brother who said, who was that environmentalist last time? I was like, Thunberg. <laughs> You think that looks like Thunberg, and then I couldn't get away from it. You're going, oh shit, it does look like <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> uh, same with the new Forza game. Uh, no, sorry, we're mispronouncing it again. God damn it, we talked about this beforehand. Forza. The Forza game with the, with the Forza. spaghetti. And <laughs> you're, you're driving the car, it needs some of my mama's fresh spagooch. 
But the, I'm not gonna lie, they, they know exactly what they're doing. They're like, guys, here is the car porn. And you're like, car porn, yeah. car porn. <laughs> it's, I it's am that. not a fan of the Forza games, even though the, the last one that came out on console was very fun because it was it was the UK, it was Scotland. Yeah, well, that's the thing, this is the same franchise. It is the Forza Horizon games, it is not the main Forza games. So this yeah. is Forza Horizon. That was the last one that was. No, I think this is a Forza Motorsport. The other one was Forza Horizon. So oh. this one is the pure. I no. could have sworn it was Horizon and this one as well. All right, cool. Uh, I I could be wrong. And now that I'm thinking about it, this one's more arcadey. And as someone who grew up in the '90s when Sega was just putting out arcadey ass uh, sports games, racing games, fighting games, I'm all about that shit. One of my favorite games of all time is Daytona USA on the. Sega Saturn, and I think it's now on the 360. So, more games like that, and if it looks like Forza, is it Forza Five? It's Forza it? Horizon Five. The the problem is that last year yeah. Forza Five came out, which is ah, like, right. God damn it! <laughs> we people pay, find some way differentiating games a little bit more. But yeah, this is yeah. Forza Five set in Mexico, and actually, one thing you noticed, it looks a lot more chaotic than before. And I'm all for that. Yeah. If they can and find a way to balance it, I'm all about it. And you can't deny that, that game just looks fucking stunning. You may not be a, you may not want much to do with racing games. I'm not a huge fan of racing games, but even I was like, I'd play that. I'd <laughs> genuinely sit and play that for a good few hours. I think that is the test of like when you watch these shows. It's like, are you inspired to pick up the game? Yeah. Are you actually going to go like you can sit there and go, yeah, it was okay. Like I saw this show for Sea Thieves with Jack Sparrow, and I'm like, cool. I don't give a fuck about Sea Thieves. You didn't convince me. You didn't win. Sea Thieves is actually a very fun game, right? Uh, my brother downloaded it on uh, my Xbox One, which is still, God love it, trundling along the, uh, runs a bit loud when you ask it to play digital <laughs> games or games that are on the the hardware but or on the hard trying. drive. <laughs> but it still it still goes it still trundles along. I can play disc games on it fine. I have to clean the dust out of it often. But I've been playing Sea of Thieves and uh, my niece is starting to get into video games and I'm hell bent to steer her away from Minecraft. Uh, she likes it. I'm not. It's not too big of a deal. But all she does is build things, blow up, and build more things to blow them up. <laughs> She's either a genius or an idiot, <laughs> or both. <laughs> yeah, she could be both. But I was playing a bit of Sea of Thieves, and it's just literally you have a ship, go and sail the seven seas. If you're really bored, you can fire yourself out of a cannon. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that done a few times. Like, uh, why? It, did it's you a do lot that? of fun. <laughs> if you get a good, I can imagine if you get a good crew of people that are willing to play the game and have a bit of fun with it, I can imagine that be that would be a lot of fun. And if they're adding in more Pirates of the Caribbean themed stuff, it should be worth it. Yeah. Um, I did see there was a Stalker trailer. I have not played Stalker games before. Yep. Um, it looked good. I think I played. They always do. Yeah. The original one looked phenomenal for back in the day. I think it was what, uh, Dawn of Pripyat or Dawn at Pripyat. I tried looking through thought... the names of all these, and I think it's like Shadow of. Like, this is Heart of Chernobyl. There was Shadow of Chernobyl, and there was one before. And I. For some reason, I I think you might be talking about the Pripyat one, which is the first one. Yeah, the the first yeah. first one. Yeah, because there's yeah. a, a separate generation of these games that came out that like no one no one like outside of the hardcore fans has played. Uh, yeah, it it'll always look good, but whether it plays good, because I remember the original Stalker games having problems even back in the original launch date. So it'll be good to keep a ten years eye on that. And there was a. The, like I was talking about earlier, the multitude of Left 4 Dead clones where we had Back for Blood, which is basically just Left 4 Dead, but from a different company. And you know, it's basically going to play and look almost the same as the original Left 4 Dead, but a bit more high res. Mm-hmm. Same uh, diverse cast of characters, same kind of 
there'll be a tank, but they'll probably call it a boulder or something like that. And yeah. just <laughs> legally like, oh, not a tank, the... legally not a hunter. You know, hey, here's the uh, or not. Here's the jumper. It's not a tank. It's a it's a it's a howitzer. Yeah, fight the howitzer. <laughs> Just changing name slightly. So, and that, I, I've been looking forward to that. And there was another version of it was a type of Left for Dead game, but instead of being Left for Dead with zombies, it was Left for Dead with dinosaurs. So, as a child who grew up wanting to be a paleontologist and loving Jurassic Park, I am all in for survival horror themed uh, dinosaur game in 2021. Because Dino Crisis isn't coming back. Capcom made it evident that that game's not coming back. Why not? It's dinosaurs and a gun. <laughs> it is. And can you imagine the point where you're playing as... What the fuck is her name? Red-haired woman. The name escapes me. It'll come back to me at some point, probably. But there's a point where you're playing as the main character and you're just wandering through a... I think it's like an, a meeting room or an office or something like that. You're trying to find a key... Or you're trying to find some kind of key item, then all of a sudden just crash into this window as a fucking T Rex, and your only choice is to back yourself into a corner of the corner of the room and just shoot. Regina, that's her name. Regina. <laughs> you're playing as the main character, Regina, and the fucking T Rex head just comes crashing through the wall. And you know, your only choice is to run out of the room or just empty every fucking bullet you have in the big scaly bastard's face. I want to see that in a new game engine. And Capcom would be stupid not to do it because the remakes have been doing well. RE3 might not be in a great game. RE3 Remake might not be in a great game, but it sold well. RE2 Remake is, you know, tied for my first favourite game of all time. So, keep yeah. the remakes coming. Don't remake RE4. RE4 is perfect as it is. Give us Dino Crisis. Give us RE0. Give us uh, Code Veronica. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like we've gotten sidetracked again, Colin. Yeah. Uh, I actually was about to point this in the direction of another uh, zombie game. It didn't really appear at E3. It might have appeared somewhere, but it was actually released as like a gameplay chart in late May. Um, it actually had a trailer back in 2019, um, oh, but it, or it might be 2020, but it was kind of um, it's like a very highly staged uh, choreographed event. This was the gameplay trailer for Dying Light 2 Stay Human. And I, f I, I just happened to see this because obviously I'm looking through all the trailers from E3. Mm -hmm. It says, oh, like YouTube's algorithm was like, oh, he wants to see game trailers. How about this game trailer? And I was like, oh, yeah, that was coming out. Click on the link and I'm treated to about 15 minutes of just fantastic gameplay by the looks of it. Mm -hmm. It looks like they've spent the entire like quarantine polishing their way through the, the game, making it as tight mm -hmm. as it can be. Um, it is still the same kind of parkour uh, zombie fighting or zombie fleeing experience that we had in the first one. And this time they're looking more at the uh, the world impact that you can have. So before mm -hmm. it was very much kind of it's you against the horde and then some bandits, whereas now it's uh, dealing with a couple of rival factions and you can choose one side or the other during the storyline or you can go part of the way down one path and then betray them for the other side and then jump over. Um, and they do still, of course, have the random uh, like marauders who are running around free of any gangs and they will always fight you. Um, but you can actually work with different groups, and I was kind of interested to see how it pans out. But um, yeah, it looks good. It feels meaty in a way, which is very good, um, because the the fighting in the first one had a lot of like weighty impacts, and this one they yeah. realized, oh, people really enjoyed that, so they've just went all in on it. So yeah, um, Dying Light Two: Stay Human is during December, and I'll probably have it completed at least once. When it comes out, just so I can say it's my game of the year. Kind of preemptive there's on another, that one, but yeah. There's, a, there's another Life for Dead style game that we forgot to talk about, and that was Evil Dead the game. 
That's because I did actual, not see the trailer from that. With actual Bruce Campbell playing uh, Ash, which is weird. He does not give a shit anymore. He, I don't think he's ever given yeah. a shit, to be honest. But he does like, hey, I can make this work. Yeah, and the fact is, for me, he's always done it, not seriously, but he's always done it well. He's just kind of like, yeah, fuck it, it's B-movie schlock, but you're going to watch it. You know what this is, I know what this is, we all have fun making yeah. it, we all have fun watching it, let's just keep it going. Let's not pretend this isn't what it is. <laughs> let's not pretend we're not having fun with this, let's just go for it. <laughs> yeah, let's not pretend this is highbrow shit. But yeah, uh, Evil Dead, the game, yeah, it's another Life or Dead game, but you play as Ash, Ash Williams, and you play as a character from Ash vs. Evil Dead. I, I can't remember her name, but I think... Yeah, he plays another couple of characters from uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Kelly and Pablo, and he plays Evil Ash from uh, Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness, and a whole bunch of other characters. And you basically just... I think it's it's a cross between you fight hordes or you fight uh, deadites. Uh, sp- specific deadites that, you know, the Necronomicon summons forth. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be a good laugh, if anything. Like most of those games, it'll probably get heavily discounted very quickly. Yeah. It'll come out at 68, give it a week, it'll be out down at 40. It'll be fine. Yeah, probably. It'll be a, a frequent uh, frequent install in your uh, Steam summer sales. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, I didn't have much that wasn't Nintendo related. I think I'm going through my notes again to make sure I've crossed everything off. Yeah. I did have Battlefield 2042. I know that's not really your type of thing. but uh, I'm glad it's coming out. Uh, the Battlefield games have been few and far between. There's been Battlefield 1 that's kind of, I don't want to say limping on, but it's been persisting in light of a dwindling fan base. Yeah. Despite of how people said that it was probably one of the better Battlefields, I think people just want something new. It's so the, the fact that they're getting a new Battlefield game is pretty pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, Battlefield 1, I was playing that on console, that's how old that game is. Um, that's, it's I only played that game because of the level where you play as a pigeon. <laughs> the pigeon race You is play Speckled Jim. I, I enjoy the, uh, the, the map where you can basically, a, a blimp goes down in the middle of it, and inside mm. that blimp is just hell on earth. And not because the blimp's on fire, it's because people keep setting you on fire. It is absolute <laughs> fucking carnage, and I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy the Battlefield games when they come out just for like a couple of weeks. Uh, 2042, it seems designed, I think, to just destroy PCs. I mean, we're going to hear about someone leaving this running overnight, and then you know, everyone goes dead in the fire the next morning. But there's so many like particle effects. There's sandstorms going on. The lighting effects are highly contrasted. I actually think the trailer, maybe it was just a video I watched, didn't actually look that good. It was very high contrast. I don't know why. I just don't like the image. I'm hoping it cleans up a bit for the uh, the final release. But um, yeah, they they put a good demo in. I'll give them that. Um, they're also we talk about like companies going for the memes. These guys went for it as well. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Rondi Zook. It's when you're the what sort? The Rondi Zook. It's where you're Not at all, mate. in a fighter jet <laughs> in Battlefield, you eject out the fighter jet, you shoot an enemy mm-hmm. with a rocket launcher, and then you recover your own abandoned plane in midair. Yeah, yeah. I I, I didn't know it was called what the Rondezook? Rondezook, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know it was called that. I thought it was just, you know, people <laughs> pressing the lock in the <laughs> you main game. You, you thought it was taking the piss. <laughs> Yeah. You see, I'm you like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Just get I, angry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is that actually apparently made it into another trailer. And I was like, oh shit, I can't believe someone went that hard on the memes. 
Um, but I did enjoy the fact that in the main trailer you can see like a bunch of guys covering an ATV with C4, and then one of them drives it into an enemy helicopter. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, like on on top of a building, they just jump off a building covered in C4 and blow themselves up to take down a helicopter that's attacking them. Like that is amazing. That is the exact type of just kind of shitty gameplay you'd expect from Battlefield community. <laughs> the fact that it shows up in the gameplay trailer, like, okay, these people know what's going on. And I, you gotta respect that. But yeah, I mean, Battlefield 2042, I... It's one of the things of, like, I'll, I'll play it when someone else has it on their console. <laughs> I don't think I'm going out of my way to buy this myself, but it does look decent. I'm hoping the Battlefield fans get what they want out of it, because as you say, like, the community has had some weird, kind of mediocre games when it's been a great franchise in the past. You know for a fact that is going straight to Game Pass when it comes out. So oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't worry about having to pay for it at the very least. Uh I think that and as far as my notes are concerned leaves me just with Nintendo. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm just gonna let you talk about Nintendo. You're the resident Nintendo fan calling, so I'm just gonna let you wax lyrical about Nintendo. As you know, my journey with <laughs> Zelda began many years ago. <laughs> 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 when I found a drawing of a man in the green hat and said Link, and I said, Link to what? It turns out that Link was to Zelda. <laughs> Dom, save me, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm panicking. Well, uh, before the Nintendo conference, uh, Twitter was rife with hashtag E3 is dead, uh, Nintendo, please save E3, all that kind of shit. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, they did. They actually announced games that people are interested in, uh, games that people wanted to see, because there was... I think people were expecting more blockbusters, and it was more just kind of, oh, cool, that's coming out. Oh, cool, that's coming out. But Nintendo genuinely dropped shit that people weren't expecting, People uh, things that uh, people have been wanting for a while and have had nothing about. Uh, and I think we'll kind of start there with uh, the Zelda reveal. Uh, obviously, there's been nothing about Breath of the Wild 2 since, like, two years ago when they announced that it was in development. Maybe a year ago, probably yeah, probably a year ago. I've heard nothing about it, and then they announced basically we still have nothing to show you, but we have a we don't have much gameplay to show you, but we have a cool trailer that we've cut together. It doesn't look any different from the original Breath of the Wild, but you're still going to go fucking mental for it because it shows you Link with a weird fucked up gangrenous or not gangrenous, a green looking arm that's all uh, ancient Sheikah technology probably. Uh, Ganondorf, you see him for a split second at the start of the trailer, and. Uh, this game is more focusing on uh, verticality instead of you know just massive open spaces. You can you know transcend up into a like a skybox sort of thing, and you can go through dungeons and shit. There, I think it's going to be more focused on you know the verticality, and there's going to be more dungeons in it instead of having just the trials that took the place of dungeons and things like that. It's actually going to you know have more Zelda to it because Breath of the Wild, while it was a good game, it a good game overall was kind of a poor Zelda game because there wasn't a lot of Zelda elements in it outside of you know Zelda Link and the Master Sword and Ganondorf. But apart from that, it could have easily you could have swapped out those four aspects and still made a good fantasy game. Wasn't really a great Zelda game in my opinion, so I think they're going back to more of a Zelda-ish roots with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and watching the trailer, I actually thought they were going for kind of like the same. Was be a bit of new geography in there, some new places, new places to go. Um, but I looked at some of the mechanics on display and I was like, hey, some of those look kind of new. Some of them seem like improvements and tweaks to older mechanics. Like, at one point he's like shooting, it looks like boulders up a hill. 
but like mm. using kind of reverse gravity, which I think was part of the first one, but I didn't think I'd seen it used that way before. So I'm assuming they went back in and tweaked something from the first game. And then the, yeah. the water power was pretty new. I don't think I remember that at all. No, I think that's some kind of time bullshit. Because I, I think when, when I saw it, like, it shows it like a puddle of water disappearing beforehand. And then mm. he's appearing out of a puddle of water up in like a, a, a ledge. I think it was. It was like a, an old building. And I was like, oh, maybe like he is the water. Like he's gained water powers and can kind of flow through the cracks between buildings. Yeah, I think that's some kind of. Yeah. The, the game shows off this weird kind of green energy that's tied to Link and Zelda. So I think that might have something to do with the fact that Link can become intangible and, you know, float through buildings and float through. You know, solid objects. I think. Ghost Link. <laughs> Ghost Link. Maybe, maybe Link's dead and he's just trying to regain his body. Who knows? But <laughs> they, they, they did a good job in showing off just enough to get people thinking, "What the fuck is this? What the fuck is that?" He basically, at one point, zip lines from the ground to one of the areas in the sky. From fuck all, it just kind of thwips his way up, goes full Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, if that's if the exploration part was what really drew people to the first one, the idea that you could find something and. I was something I really admired when they came out and uh, described what the game would be like, where they say every time you reach a new vista, there will be like three new things for you to go figure out. You will see mm. three more items of interest or like points of interest, things that might kind of draw your eye. They, there will always be three of those on the horizon. I was mm. like, that's impressive. And then they give you fun ways to get there. So they, they understand yeah. that the mobility is key in this game. Yeah, they've continued that forward. They've always, they've always had a healthy understanding that in a Zelda game obviously the dungeons the exploration, the puzzles are always very integral to the game but how you get from A to B and how you explore the world is always a good thing because in Ocarina of Time you had a opponent and you could explore this entire somewhat kind of limited world compared to things like Breath of the Wild and your your Skyrims and things like that. Mobility and exploration have always been key and Breath of the Wild takes that and just runs with it because exploration you could spend days on that game and never bump into a main objective you could just go to whatever areas you can without inter- interacting with any other people and you could just see shit and I think Breath of the Wild 2 is doing more of that where you can just you know spend days running about ruins and stuff in the sky and never bump into anything yeah I mean I'm looking forward to hearing about it and everyone's game of the year list for the next like yeah. six years <laughs> Um, but yeah, I I think that they have the winning formula, and they just need to like play in the wiggle room at the end, where it's like, yeah. okay, we can do what we want within this kind of set limit before we break something else. But yeah, yeah. I think Nintendo's definitely off to like the the winning formula with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and it's it's all good to to at least see something because so many there's so many trailers that didn't get shown at E3. I mean, people got Elden Ring, and that was that was something that a lot of, a lot of fans really wanted, and now that uh, Breath of the Wild 2 is up there, people are just going, holy shit, we got, we're getting everything that we never thought we would get. Fair enough, we didn't get anything about Bayonetta 3 or Metroid Prime 4, but as I'll say for the end, because what they did announce Metroid-wise is something I want to talk about for quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from, obviously I'm kind of working, jumping about here, from Breath of the Wild 2, they talked a bit about Skyward Sword, HD, which is coming out in about four weeks' time, I think. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, I'll be picking it up because as much as people didn't like Breath of the Wild, uh, sorry, Breath of the Wild, uh, Skyward Sword, I fucking loved it. I thought the story was cool. The characters were pretty funny. Uh, the stuff that they did with the 
upgraded items. Uh, you could take just a regular bow, you get some materials where you can upgrade it to a sacred bow, you can upgrade it to the divine bow. Uh, it's all cool shit like that. I, I really got into it. And the story, well, it did get a bit repetitive. I still thought it was pretty cool because you could, you found out about the origin of uh, the goddess Hylia and you found out where Ganondorf comes from and where his powers come from. And I thought, you know, this, this shit's really cool and I think it's very underrated. So I think now with some HD polish and a bit more tweaking done to the gameplay, I think it's going to be all good. And uh, the the Amiibo fiasco has just all been swept away because no, no one seems to be complaining about the fact that the the Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo is now gold dust. You can't get that for love nor money. And the whole controversy about that can uh, stemmed from misinformation. People are saying if you want to warp in the game, you have to get the uh, the Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo, but that was bullshit. It was just, if you want to warp from the ground at any point, get the Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo. You can still warp from save points. There's nothing stopping you doing that. You know, check, check sources and curb your outrage before you start shouting random things. I, I actually didn't know Amiibos were still a thing. Let alone, I mean, obviously there'll be controversies about anything gaming, but I didn't know, yeah. are Amiibos still valid with the Switch or is it just on other yeah, You can still use them on the Switch. I have six unopened Amiibos in this room right now because I realised I don't use them for what they're actually intended for. I don't use them with my Switch, but they're cool little statues. <laughs> um, You're not the first person I've heard say that. There's a lot of people yeah. like, I just like them. I think they look cool and it's a solid product. It's official, like it's the real thing. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those precious collectors that keeps it in the box because you know, I understand you want to keep it good and you might Although I never understood one thing that still kind of sticks out in my head. I never understood why you buy things like that. You're a collector. You're never going to sell them, but you want to keep it keep it good to affect the resale value. Never understood that. But yeah, uh, if I if I would use them in any way, I'd probably open them. But yeah, I've got about six of them just sitting in boxes because they look pretty cool. And most of them are characters from Smash Bros. with the exception of one. But yeah, I'll probably get them because it's either I buy a. Fifteen pound Terry Bogard amiibo to get some kind of Terry Bogard, you know, collectible in this room, or I spend a hundred and fifty to get a Terry Bogard statue that will take up probably my entire computer desk. Yeah, I think I made the easy option. <laughs> yeah. There's only one real answer to that question, unless you're lunatic. So yeah, yeah, unless you have infinite space and infinite money. Yeah, yeah. So amiibos are still thinking and they're still pushing it amiibo which I, I think is pretty cool because they've realised that if you tie it into some mechanic, people will try and get it. But the only problem is they never make enough. They never make enough, which pisses people off. I can understand why people are against the Amiibos now. That's been a thing since the beginning. People keep buying them. They're back. But the, the scarcity thing has been all, like a key almost component of the Amiibo like, fandom, really. It's, I remember yeah. like the first lot of them coming out and there was never enough of any Amiibo that was actually wanted by the public. Yeah. I mean, even to this day, there's still a group of Amiibo that are fucking gold dust to get your hands on. Uh, there's like certain, most of them are Smash Bros related. But yeah, if you come across a Zelda Amiibo for under like, 40 quid or something, even if you're not in a, a Nintendo games, just buy it. Because you'll be able to resell that for quite a bit. <laughs> buy it and flip it. Any Amiibo in box can easily fetch about 30 to 40 quid, even though they're about £10 to buy. Which is insane. Yeah, it's it's weird. But uh, yeah, Skyward Sword, it's all good. People are going to buy it. And uh, I think moving backwards from that, we had the announcement that Nintendo were re giving my childhood, you know, 
spit shine and a shove to the forefront by bringing back a game called Advance Wars. I don't know if you remember that from back in high school. I kind of do, but I don't know why. It was, <laughs> it's a tactics-based game where you play as uh, members of, I think it's the Orange Star Army, who are all just a bunch of teenagers forced to fight a war for adults because war crimes are fun. But it's a tactics-based game where uh, you're, you can... You can play it in a multitude of ways. You can just go complete scorched earth and destroy every enemy unit, or you can win by taking over every enemy structure. And uh, it's all it's all just tied into the the fun tactics gameplay. The characters are quite funny, and you get things called CEO powers, where if you build up a meter, your uh, your commander CEO, not CEO, thank you, uh, your uh, your character can you know one character will give you boosted. Uh, attack power, another one will heal every single one of your units for a certain amount of damage another one will make them faster so they move twice in a turn, shit like that and it's it's just, there's no right or wrong way to play it, whatever way you want to play it, that's the way that's that's how you can do it, whatever you can think of and, uh, Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshots of this from like back in the day and yeah. I do I vaguely remember this, I know I've never played it uh, but yep. I do remember the tanks and stuff with the little numbers on them, I, that does ring a bell Yeah, mm. and it's a uh, it's it was always a popular game, I think, right? Because it sold Game Boy Advances and it sold DSs when it came to the DS. Uh, I think I own every Advance Wars game that came out in a portable system. There's the ones that came out in Japan, and I think there was even a few that came out in the GameCube and Wii, but I, I never picked those up. I'm a huge fan of Advance Wars. They are fucking devastatingly hard games to complete. I don't think I've ever successfully completed one without having to drop it down to stupid easy difficulties. <laughs> but even at that, it's still kind of difficult. Because the, the way they increase the difficulty in later levels is they give you less and less resources to recruit and build uh, units. So you'll be left fighting a fully funded enemy team when you've got you know three rocket launcher guys and a personnel carrier. Right. Well, I mean, that, but, yeah, that kind of is one. part of the issue with, like, long-term campaigns is eventually you go into enemy territory and you don't have supply line. <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting and, uh, way of representing it. It's quite good of them. I like it. Yeah. And it was one of those games that caught me very much by surprise because sitting watching it and all of a sudden I heard the the Advance Wars intro music, which is, is quite recognisable. And my immediate, my immediate thought wasn't, you know, jumping up and going, holy shit, what the fuck is this? I was just getting my head tipped back on excuse me <laughs> hey i remember this one who, who who authorized this yeah i mean i'm thankful but what the hell i wasn't expecting this because i advance was for me is tied to a very specific high school memory where i played the game boy advance version on my game boy advance sp for the entirety of a german lesson and my my teacher caught me and she said what are you doing i said i'm technically studying german she went why i said the game that i'm playing is in german <laughs> I never understood any of the menus. I was just going off muscle memory. Like the top, yeah, the third option on the menu is, you know, attack, you know, confirm. I'll just keep doing that until I win. And the lecture, not the lecture, the teacher just kind of looked at me and just kind of thought, the brass ones on this this kid, and they were just kind of let me away with it or just realized that, you know, it didn't matter that much. I don't know what the hell it was, but it just kind of let me away with it. So to see more Advance Wars, I'm very much happy with that. And hopefully remaking the first two games on Switch with upscale new graphics and uh, new character models and shit like that, hopefully that brings the series back. And that's kind of what you hope with any remake and re-release, that it just brings the series back. 
Yeah, and having it go portable as well. That like considering how key that is to the franchise is you take a portable like long term strategy game with you as you're on like a long bus ride, a you know long plane journey. Having it again show up on a portable console is a great idea. It's yeah. the right time to bring about this type of remaster. Yeah, absolutely. It is a. Uh, I think now it's just when people are. I think it's a. Uh, I think now is the right time where people are maybe feeling a bit shit about themselves now to bring back a game that they used to play in high school and go, you know what, I'm going to play that. I remember that's tied to some good memories in my head. I'm going to play, play that, and I'm going to get some heavy nostalgia about me. So, I think, I think it was a good time, and I think going on from that, I'll talk a bit about uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five because that game, I have no idea what's going on. It's a, a <laughs> Japanese uh, RPG, as you can probably tell by the name. Uh, the main character is looks like some kind of androgynous anime protagonist, and she, he or she or they get uh, make some deal with a demon, and then become Jedi's because they've got weird lightsaber hands. I have no idea what's going on, but the Shin Megami Tensei series is pretty damn good, so be all up for a bit of that. And in typical Shin Megami Tensei fashion, they showed off the fact that the the main gameplay or the main combat loop is. You don't fight just as yourself. I mean, obviously you can fight as just a protagonist, but you uh, converse and recruit demons that are littered throughout the game. You, you can either beat them and get XP, or you can recruit them by talking to them and saying, "Right, if you join me, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you ten gold or something like that, or I'll give you one of my items." Or they, they ask for weird things like, uh, "What do you think of me as a person?" And if you say, oh, "I think you're an arsehole," you go, "Wait, you call me an arsehole? No one's ever truthful with me. I'm joining you." That's like all that kind of shit. Weird one, uh, but okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. There's no, there's no guaranteed way that each discussion with the demon is going to go. It's a guarantee. There's a mechanic built in so that you try that with the first guy, and it's like no one's ever told me the truth before. I'm with you all yeah. the way, and you try it to the next guy, he's like, "Fuck you," and he just puts an axe through your face. <laughs> yeah, like, why the hell did you just call me an arsehole? Fucking have you, you say to me? All the... <laughs> Ask you for the time of day. What the hell is this? <laughs> why are you still? Asked you what time it is, not if, not if you think I'm an awful. <laughs> and yeah, that's another that was another big feather in Nintendo's cap because uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five was announced years ago, probably at the same time as Breath of the Wild Two. Then nothing happened, nothing came about, and now we finally got gameplay. We got a full trailer. And now people are starting to warm up to the fact that we're getting we got a Shin Megami Tensei Three remake, which I still have to play. I'll get to it. Uh, and now we're getting Shin Megami Tensei Five. Uh, towards the end of the year, so we're getting more. No, next year we're getting Shin Megami Tensei Five, which I am fairly glad of because July is a fairly heavy month in term in terms of new games coming out. Because I think I have four new Switch games arriving within July itself, with more on the way. Jeez, yeah, there's going to be a lot of shit to play. So I'm either I'm either going to have to just blitz through all the games as quick as I can, or or I'm just going to have to play them through as, you know, at my own pace and just buy new games and leave them on my shelf, which is, you know, yeah. becoming the, the the despair reality that is being a gamer right now. I was going to say, don't do that. Don't hurt yourself with that, Dom. It hurts too much to bear. I've, I've done that yeah. with movies, and I'm like, please, let me just sit there and watch movies. <laughs> I'm too easily distracted. I don't need to just keep stockpiling the shit. Yeah. It's something that I've noticed with quite a lot of people that I know who stream, they'll buy games think, oh, I'm going to stream this, but they're so used to streaming one key thing, like Argic. I was talking to him about uh, 
what fucking game was it? It was some game on the Switch, and I said, have you started playing it yet? No, it was Monster Hunter Rise on the Switch, and he said, have you started playing it yet? And he said, no. I was going to stream it for a little bit, but, uh, you know, I've got a few events coming up. I was like, ah, right, so you've got to practice. Then I said, you're aware that Monster Hunter Rise came out in March, and it's now June. <laughs> you've not even touched it. I don't think you're going to get to it. But, yeah, unfortunately, that is that is what I keep doing over and over again. Keep buying new games and probably not get to play them. Unless there's something that I really desperately want to play. Yeah. Is there anything else that appeared on the list for Nintendo that you're like, that's, that is definitely going to be a, a must-buy, must-play game this year? Hey. Hmm. I think now it's just, there was there was other things that there is, because there, there was Super Mario or Mario Party Superstar, which is just the kind of greatest hits of all the Mario Party games, which, like most Mario Party games, is going to be fun. It's going to be worth a play. The only problem is I just recently bought the new Mario Party, or it feels like I recently just bought the new Mario Party, so buying the new one immediately just feels a bit a bit weird. Uh, so and It's not like Nintendo been... kind of front or to like kind of double down or double dip into franchises like that. That's a bit odd. Yeah, feels a bit weird. But at the same time, people are going to play it because the, the Super Mario Party that came out uh, late last year or mid, middle middle of last year was just it was a good game but at the same time it was just there was not a whole hell of a lot to do in it there was five maps and as soon as you finished those five maps there was just not much else to do so I'll maybe pick up the new one if it if for when it, it comes down in price uh, there was also a they announced a bit more in Monster Hunter Stories 2 but again they already showed that at Capcom there was, uh, there was a whole of games that they, they announced that I thought yeah I'll maybe look into that but the one game that genuinely made me kind of stop and have to, you know, reality check was the fact that they announced Metroid 5. They're not Prime 4, because Prime 4 is coming, but they have nothing about it. This was Metroid 5, the next game in the official series. So we had Metroid 4, which was Metroid Fusion, one of my personal favorite Metroid games, one of my favorite games of all time. And to give the people listening to this podcast a bit of perspective, Metroid Fusion came out in high school 19 years ago so long ago that when this game came out my hair was black and colin had hair yeah it's a fucking long ago this game came out and uh, metroid fusion with its mix of horror and you know really good tight metroid gameplay was it just became an instant instant favorite in my mind and we were always teased that we're going to get this new new metroid game and uh the project dread which is meant to be the sequel to metroid fusion was was going to be coming, but it was cancelled. It went to Nintendo DS, then it got cancelled. It went to GameCube, then it was cancelled. We cancelled. Wii U cancelled. It just bounced around until they finally shelved it and said, "Right, let's just leave it where it lies. We're not going to get this game out until the Switch rolls around." And they finally got the right company to do it. So we have Metroid Dread, which is I'm calling Metroid Fusion Two, quite frankly. Uh, set direct set a couple of years after Metroid Fusion, and it's Samus. Uh, she's landed on this new planet. She has her own mission to do, but she's being tailed by this government-looking robot thing, basically kind of like a pursuer from Resident Evil, like a Mr. X type of character. You can't hit it or you can't hurt it. There are ways to stop it. You get this cool phantom cloak thing, which, you know, stealths Samus for a, a second of time. They can't scan you, so they just end up walking away. But they have these weird scanner things. They've got this kind of area of effect radar thing, and if you go into that radar, the uh, you know it starts pinging off and starts chasing you and stuff like that, and uh, it was made. It's being made by the same people that made Metroid Two: Samus Returns on 3DS, and that game is phenomenal as well. So it's in the right hands. 
And to think that after so many fucking years of being told that Metroid Dread wasn't going to be a thing, to actually see Metroid Dread coming out in October and being able to pre-order now with this cool special edition that comes with these cool amiibos that has a new updated version of Samus that is now the official uh, look of Samus going forward because it is the next latest point in the in the Metroid timeline. It's just it's, it's cool as shit to the point where when it was announced, I think both me and my brother were just stunned looking at the TV. It's finally happening. And to be fair, it is yeah. a very stunning trailer. I went and checked this one out. It appeared on the like list of stuff I was watching. And I was oh shit, there's a new Metroid game. Not obviously realising the history of like why it's so important to have a Metroid game. Um, mm. Because I was not aware of how deep the rabbit hole has gone on like, missed Metroid games. Um, I did hear that there was one a couple of years back that was just cancelled. Just It didn't meet demands. And I was like, oh, that's a bold move by Nintendo. Uh, and then yep. not realising that it's actually quite a common thing for the Metroid franchise. And, um, yeah, that that's exactly what they did with uh, Prime Four. Mm-hmm. They, they they had Prime Four to a state where it could have made a demo, but then the production staff weren't happy with it, so they scrapped it and literally started the game. Yeah, but the the Dread trailer is intense. I was actually quite impressed. I was like, this doesn't feel like a normal Nintendo game. This feels a bit darker. Yeah. And you say like the the, the new look of Samus is a bit odd for me because I'm not used to it, but it the new look. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, she's being pursued and she's being hunted. And it's, um, it was when they have the, like, because it was like cinematic trailer or like pre-rendered trailer. And then it starts showing you gameplay that moves so fast. I was like, oh, wow, this is, uh, this is really pretty impressive. And she's being stalked, as you say, through the corridors by the giant robot. And then all of a sudden, uh, the gameplay, someone fucks up. Samus lands in a weird place and can't jump as smoothly as she needs to to get away from the pursuer and it closes in on her and the camera zooms in and I'm like, that's exactly what I'd do. I would totally yeah. fuck up that jump and be completely annihilated by the robot. I was like, that's a cool like trick to throw in there for the for the editing of the trailer. I was really impressed by it and uh, it's it definitely sets the tone of the game that like you are not safe even though you are Samus Aaron, like you are total badass space warrior. And yet you're about to get your shit pushed in by a robot. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and it's it's cool to add in because one of my favorite parts of Metroid Fusion was the fact that you're being hunted, not at all times. Obviously, it was a Game Boy Advance game, so there's only really certain times that the the uh, the pursuer character could catch up to you. But when you were the obviously the 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 uh, paranoid music starts kicking in, the one that the game that just makes you feel like you're going to have a heart attack. And then this character, it's a it's a parasite that infects Samus at the start of the game, but using you know discarded pieces of her suit, it basically becomes a, a copy of Samus at full power. Well, you're walking about with this new you know fucked up body because of the X parasite, and this thing is you know it doesn't give a shit about you. It moves faster than you. It has weapons that actively uh, that damage you more than uh, other weapons, and this thing just tails you through uh, certain parts of the game. So to have that in dread, but have the potential for it to be in any area of the game, it's fucking awesome. I can't wait for shit like that. And I like there's certain aspects of the game from Fusion that they've kept going forward. Because in Metro Fusion, you find one of your former allies from when Samus was in the Space Federation, uh, or is it Galactic Federation, whatever, some kind of federation that she used to be part of before she became a freelance bounty hunter. Uh, this Her commander, a character named Adam, when he died on a mission, his uh, consciousness was basically made into an AI. 
and then through Samus's new ship that she gets after her old one gets destroyed after she because she once she gets infected by the X parasite she holds on for long enough to find a a facility to get treatment at but on the way there she kind of destroys everything destroys her ship destroys her old suit that kind of thing uh, on her new ship the AI is this well through the game you find out that her the a the ship's AI is a former commander. So they've brought him back for the next game. Obviously, they can't show you anything, any of their conversation because it's hefty spoilers. And they've also kept going forward. Samus is technically a fugitive right now because at the end of Metroid Fusion, you drop the research facility onto a planet because you find out that they're doing some Metroid-based research to try and replicate and reproduce the Metroids that you fought like fuck to destroy in Metroid 2. So I think that's how they're going to tie in the stalker robots that they're just there to bring you back to the Federation because you you cost them a lot of research and a lot of money by dropping a giant space station on a planet. It's I mean, understandable they're quite pissed at you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, Samus has always been willing to work with the Federation, but at the same time, she'll do her own thing. <laughs> she'll just, middle of a mission, if she thinks her objective is another way, she will go and do that as opposed to helping out Federation soldiers. Unless you're playing Metroid Other M, at which point you will just go, yes, sir, I will comply. I will deactivate all of my upgrades that I've gotten before. And I'm just yes, going to daddy. comply with everything you say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Commander. No, it's daddy. <laughs> I've nope. seen some of the gameplay from that. It's daddy. <laughs> she is not in control in that game. No. And that's why it was... That's the thing. Metroid Other M plays well. It just the fact that it is a character assassination for Samus. Making her speak was a bad move. Yeah, there's a reason for silent protagonists in games, and it's mostly due to like letting the the player self-identify with the the, the quiet character. Even in Metro Fusion, she talks to the the Federation. You're saying, Samus, you're off this mission. You've you've seen too much. Uh, go to this. Go to these coordinates, and we'll debrief you and all that shit. And Samus just kind of says, "Fuck you. You're not recreating the Metroids. I killed these bastards once. I will do it again." She she becomes a bit more authoritative and a bit more what you'd expect from Samus, but other M she just kind of rolls over and shows them her belly. Just going, yep, sure, I'll do whatever you say. This is your investigation. Yeah. So, new Metro games, uh, I'm trying to represent that. I had a note on Nintendo for a new Smash character. Um, oh yeah, Kazuya. Kazuya Mishima. Yeah, and <laughs> they're bringing another Tekken character with a very dark intro. The first Tekken character. Um, oh, I thought there was another one. Was there not? Oh. No. Uh, the the fighting game characters are obviously Ken and Ryu mm. from Street Fighter 2 because of that and, uh, well, yeah, well not from Street Fighter 2 specifically but from Street Fighter and uh, Terry Bogard from uh, sort of Fatal Fury King of Fighters they're from uh, SNK mm. and uh, Kazuya Mishima is actually one that I, can, I called ages ago because Bandai Namco make Smash Bros or they help produce Smash Bros for Switch so the fact that a, a Tekken character or another Bandai Namco representative outside of Pac-Man didn't make it into the game already was kind of a bit weird to me. And the fact that it was Kazuya, I was like, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> he's unique enough to have a different moveset. Uh, he's, he's got some cool other mechanics to him that make him, that make him a viable option for a Smash Bros. character. So I, I think it was good. Yeah. A good choice. Good funny trailer as well with him dropping uh, Ganondorf off and then like a series of like like major characters of the Smash Bros franchise and then him dropping Kirby off the end <laughs> just after yeah, he's that was, that was pretty funny uh, and just just uh, it's become such a great meme template of like Kirby being dropped and then 
thing you look uh <laughs> kind of you're looking down and then Kirby floating away in the background <laughs> the safety <laughs> that's so good I, I just like okay this is this is Nintendo know what they're doing as well. They they've got the marketing because I joked about it being another character, but I was like, "There's no way they would do that." And then they actually did it with Kirby, a much bigger like star of the Nintendo uh, yeah. canon at this point. Yeah, and the fact that it's also Sakurai's character, <laughs> like Sakurai, not Masahiro Sakurai, who makes Smash Bros, also makes Kirby, so it makes sense that he would you know try and kill his own character <laughs> for a bit of a laugh. But I think that wraps up E3. Yeah, definitely does. Yeah, wrap up on Kirby references. Why, why not? Um, yeah, I think there was nothing else really to bring up other than uh, as much as as much salt as we shovel in to uh, avoid being too hyped up for these games. There's some stuff there on the list that has got me genuinely interested, and it's not everything. Uh, not everything can be uh, the hype that I want it to be. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm just not getting any shit about the uh, the Avatar game. Uh, and I, we missed out quite a decent amount. There's a lot of other small, uh, smaller games that get missed out. I do know that Steam was doing some promotion. I don't think we talked much about uh, Jeff Keighley's promotional thing that he had before. Other than uh, Dom mentioned now that we'll be getting a Castlevania new series. Um, which I, I think we might have even covered that in the previous episode. We might have talked about Castlevania Season 4. Um, but there's still plenty more stuff to come out um, in games. There probably is going to be a Sony conference at some point. Yeah, middle of August, if I remember right. Yeah, so they'll have their own thing coming up later on, um, and we'll just see what's really coming out. I mean, gaming has been in a weird space this last year, um, mostly due to pandemic um, causing issues with supply and demand. Um, you, I mean, one thing we talked about off mic was how are you really supposed to sell people on all these games when people can't get the consoles or the gaming equipment like graphics cards to play them? And that has been something we were kind of waiting to see what happened. And I think the prevailing attitude was basically just don't mention it and we'll get around to selling games when people have the consoles to play them on. Yeah, um, that was that was my thing. How can you sell PS5 and Xbox games when no one can get a hold of them quickly? Yeah. Because people are going to want to play them on a Series X in full 4K and all that shit, full 8K if they have. But it feels a bit disingenuous. Like, play day one in your Xbox Series play it on games pass also on pc please play it on pc please i'm asking for xboxes we don't know where they are anymore <laughs> i'm surprised at one point phil spencer didn't just come on and go gentlemen or ladies and gentlemen all other genders please buy an xbox series x uh, series s that's all we have left <laughs> just buy them please i actually uh went looking for uh just because i was seeing all the thing of like oh here's the uh, xbox uh out now on xbox i'm like can you actually buy an xbox and i went looking and when i googled it the first thing that came up was uh curry's which is a well-known electronics distributor uh, here in the uk uh you then had obviously the amazon link which was unavailable the official microsoft store which um i'm gonna say the button was grayed out but it's greened out because it's microsoft and memes and marketing i guess um so it wasn't actually available to configure or sell you an xbox and you had Smith's Toy Store, which unfortunately was down for maintenance as a website when I was looking for an Xbox. And I just, I'm just out of curiosity to see if you could actually buy an Xbox these days. And uh, yeah, it is a lot harder. And the PS5 is still non-existent. I actually am yet to see a PS5 in the wild. I am yet to believe that they are real things. I think they're fake. Uh, they are made by the fairies to dissuade us from ever going outside. So I, I, I just, I was wondering how they'd handle the marketing for this. And it's just, I kind of wait and see, kick the can down the road type of situation. Um, I think 
like most people, I am waiting probably until Christmas to get a Series X because I think realistically that is when they're going to start coming out. Yeah, that's when they're going to start making the big push to yeah. I, actually I, uh, get them uh, available to everybody. Yeah, I think when there's a manufacturing just kind of push now to have the consoles ready to ship over for the winter and mm-hmm. just try and make them in time. But I, I've had one note as far as E3 is concerned, um, as, as a general presentation, I wouldn't have it last all week. Um, obviously we talked about when we'd occasionally jump in to see live streams because obviously it's too time consuming. I feel it's like watching the Oscars. Um, I'd rather not watch Hollywood give itself a hand job for four hours. I'd rather just go and read the list of what people thought was the best film at the end of the at the end of the night. Once everything's said and done, I'd rather just see the summarized notes. Um, same with the keynote addresses and the speeches given and all the presentations. For some reason, the decision has been made to move E3 to a week long conference. I don't think it needs to be that, and I certainly don't think it needs a never ending live stream coverage similar to like twenty four hour news cycle. And I would. No one is going to be listening to this that has any say in the matter, and I guarantee you they've made some money off, enough money off of Twitch to guarantee this becomes the new format going forward. But as far as entertainment value goes, you don't have enough content to span this out over a week or five days, yeah. especially not when Jeff Keighley gets in before you and announces some pretty interesting stuff in himself. So I would yeah. move it back to the weekend slot. Um, maybe you can't get that weekend slot you're used to around the tenth of June. Move it to the 17th. You're already competing with sport festivals anyway around that time. You might as well just be, you know, the alternative to all, to like sports entertainment rather than just being the alternative to the news cycle because you don't have enough to talk about, really. We've managed to condense all of E3 into just, a, just over two hours. And for some reason, uh, games companies felt the need to just pump it out to about five days worth of content with very little to show. And I think it makes... Yep. Your presentations look a bit weaker if you have to just pad it out with runtime and uh, presenters giving like fake lip service to you know interviews and uh, running adverts between adverts in a weird way where you have your promotional messages you want to get across from other content creators and uh, other like organizations within gaming while you're also covering what is essentially a giant advert for gaming. I I don't think the the strength of the content is there as far as uh, E3 is concerned, to justify sitting around all week uh, waiting for the news to drop. It's always a bad idea to give developers that have three games to announce a 45-minute time slot where they're just showing trailers for the same three games and gameplay that people have already seen. It's probably just not a good idea. So, yeah, condensing is probably the best thing to do. But hopefully next year it's it's live. Mm-hmm. Maybe with some COVID restrictions, even if it is still live, I think that'd be the best thing for it. Because while it's probably better and safer to have people indoors, I think online presentations kind of have maybe killed have maybe killed it slightly, as they have with most events. And maybe we can't really keep saying COVID's to blame, but probably COVID has played a part in why there's not many massive announcements. Yeah. I'd say COVID's to blame in terms of like the EFE, like lack of obviously physical attention being there. It is in yeah. California who have some of the strictest uh, like controls over the public in terms of what they do with COVID. Because um, obviously, normally it's held in LA. Um, I don't know where it was actually. I, think, I assume it was held in a facility in LA this year, just not with a, a very public face. And I think they 
they all knew they were never going to have a public E3 this year. And I, I, I say I, I hope it comes back because it is the lifeblood of it. Seems to be the interaction between gamers uh, going there for the first like for their own enjoyment, and then you having the press m- mixed in with them, and then the exclusive events and access that this type of event allows you to have, as well as keynote conferences and stuff. But you need something for people to get their hands on during the day to make it worth kind of covering in the same way that we have done this year with that kind of 24-hour news coverage yeah. style, I guess. So any closing remarks for E3 beyond what was said? Yes. Uh, beyond what was said, uh, hopefully next year people show things. Uh, hopefully uh, Microsoft have more to show other than, you know, please buy Game Pass. Uh, we're working hard to get you more consoles. Uh, it would be nice to see Sony pull the stick at the rush and actually just join an E3 again instead of doing the whole we will show one game at a, a state of play in August and uh, it'd be nice to see smaller developers either latch on to big studio events so just say have Microsoft and then have Microsoft Indie where you've got the indie developers talking about it and say you've got uh, Nintendo with Capcom because there's a lot of Capcom titles going on Nintendo software just kind of time people uh, latch people onto the bigger conferences because I think there's some good games being announced by other studio developers that people aren't paying attention to because they're not attached to a big conference. Because Square Enix, they didn't really have much of a good show in this year, I think. They announced Final Fantasy 1 through 6 was getting a HD 2D remake, but how many people saw that because they weren't interested in it? They're good games, don't get me wrong, but because no one's interested in watching a 20, 30 minute Square Enix conference while they're waiting for something else, people missed it. So I think if you watched the PlayStation conference, but oh wait, Square Enix are here and they're going to talk about that. It's a better way to make sure that people see every aspect of the show. So you'd prefer to see it in a format of kind of like a download festival where you have like a main headline act, which is like the, the publisher, yeah, the platform. Absolutely. And then you have like major acts coming underneath like big studios, big names. And then you have like a bunch of smaller people underneath. It might be kind of a basically have three like. events, uh, three three days, three main stages. You have Nintendo stage, Sony stage, Microsoft stage, and you have Capcom Live at the Sony stage. Capcom Live at the Nintendo stage, talking about Nintendo games. Capcom Live at the Microsoft stage, talking about games that are coming out on uh, the Xbox. Then do the same thing for Square Enix. Square Enix Live at Sony. Square Enix Live at Nintendo. Then final conferences. You have the big three talking about their game. I think that may be the best way to do it. Yeah, just to make sure that people aren't missing out on these like wee gem games that they wouldn't normally notice about because they're too busy waiting on, you know, the big announcements from Nintendo, Xbox, bigger developers. Yeah, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we know we're old because E3 was better back in our day. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, uh, that's been our thoughts on E3 this year in 2021. If you'd like to get in contact with the podcast, you can do so on Twitter at Jibberfish, or you can reach out to us by email at gibberfishpodcast at gmail.com. And I've been Colin Graham. You can find me at Aaron Lord Mad. I'm Anderson. You can find me at Dom underscore Anderson 25 on Twitter. And in the meantime, we've been talking gibberfish about E3.